0: Are listening to the Voices of Wrestling
1: Podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay, don't listen to Joe Lanza, because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. <laughs> hey, who you. delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling
0: at me, I agree. Welcome once again to the Voices of Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Craig alongside, as always, king of banter. And a very good family man, Mister Joe Lanza. Joe, light week in wrestling. Not much to talk about.
1: I'm back,
0: <laughs> do, do, do.
1: <laughs> and better than ever. Are you doing I'm like?
0: Back. <laughs> I hope you are doing like the two finger point thing.
1: Things better, Joe. I'm, try- I'm trying to show off my singing chops. It's not
0: bad. It's not bad. I'll be honest. Yeah, are you are you a known singer or or no? Or do you usually keep that reserved? Because I know you're not a dancer. At weddings, you do not dance. But do you, Do you kind of sit at the table and sing or or are you usually nothing? Because that that wasn't bad. That was okay.
1: At weddings. I don't – Jolene doesn't dance, period. I've never danced a step in my life.
0: (laughs) Even like school dances? Like like middle school school dances?
1: No. Really? I've never danced a step in my life and never – I'll go to my grave without dancing. I am like the preacher in Footloose. I am anti-dancing. There's no dancing here. I will belt out a tune occasionally, as you can okay. see.
0: Yeah, that's, that's it wasn't bad. I, I, I liked that a lot. So that was that was good here. But uh, I, I wanted to start this discussion in this show with an interesting – okay, so I'm, I'm looking at my, mo- my, my local movie theater and, and what's available right now at my local movie theater right now. So we have Toy Story, Men in Black, Aladdin, and then I look at my wrestling news, <laughs> and Paul Heyman is running one company, or a pseudo company. Eric Bischoff's running another one. There's another company about to start on TNT. What year is this? What the hell is going on?
1: Yeah. I mean
0: isn't there a Chucky movie? Uh, or maybe it's Anna, but I don't even know. I don't I see like two movies a year, no, there is other. But is there a new Chucky movie? I thought there was, right? Or child's child, play. Sorry. There, child's
1: play. There is a there is a new child's play,
0: yes. That's correct. It's unbelievable. <laughs> What the hell? Joe, what the fuck? I I had this show all cut. We were kind of tailoring the show. I was like, oh, cool. So we got to talk about Seth Rollins and and him being a dork on Twitter. We got to talk about him and Will Ospreay. We got to talk about you know Roll- Rollins bashing John Moxley and doing all that. I, that that may as well have been nine months ago, Joe. <laughs> I cannot believe that it was only Monday that that happened. Uh, you know, I wanted to to dunk on Seth for his terrible Stopping grounds tweets and his prove it and here we go and we're the best in the world. And I had that all ready to go. I had the doc all ready and then. About 9 a.m. today, I get this notice that that I thought at first, I was like, oh, it's got to be fake, that that Paul Heyman, and I still can't believe it. I'm going to actually work my way through it, that WWE has brought back Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff and appointed them to executive director roles, <laughs> with Paul Heyman overseeing Raw and Eric Bischoff. That Eric Bischoff, the same Eric Bischoff, appointed to the executive director of SmackDown, Joe. What the fuck is happening?
1: I mean... We're recording this
0: on Thursday,
1: a couple hours after it broke. It's gonna shift and change a lot. Already, I mean, I just literally just read a story before we started. Ryan Satin, wrestling sheet, saying that they're going to be slowly integrated into their roles. Whatever those roles are gonna be. Um yeah, I mean it's it's nobody saw this coming. But at the same time, my initial gut reaction is it's, a, it's, it's going to ultimately be a story that's overblown due to the names that are involved because I, I don't think these guys are going to have any sort of special power. I think that I will be pleasantly surprised if there are noticeable significant changes to the two shows that stick. I think there will eventually be changes and noticeable ones and differences between the two shows. Because when Vince McMahon gets an idea in his head, sometimes he carries it out with gumption to start and then it always reverts back to what he is. Sure. So, and look, when it comes to Raw... You'll know immediately, you'll recognize Heyman's fingerprints if they come to the forefront. His are easy. You'll notice the things that that are changing, and you'll you'll notice his fingerprints. Bischoff, I don't I, you know, his will be a little bit harder to tell. Best case scenario is the two shows do ultimately end up being drastically different. And I mean drastically different. Right now, SmackDown's a slightly different show than Raw. But I would like to see them be totally different. The problem is to me, I don't I can't see Vince McMahon and his close circle, Kevin Dunn, the rest, Pritchard, I want to throw him in there. Um, I can't see them allowing the kind of drastic changes that people like you and I would like to see. Forget about who gets pushed and I'm talking about the weird WWE vernacular. I'd like to see that go away. I'm talking about the weird way that backstage interviewers must behave. My guest at this time, Ricochet. Ask a question, Ricochet repeats the question back. Yeah, right. <laughs> Inter- interviewer stares off into the distance like, you know, there's something wrong with them. Those are the kind of things I'd like to see go away to give these shows a fresh coat of paint. Never mind fresh ideas for what actually goes on bell to bell and creatively and I I can't see Vince allowing those kinds of drastic changes and with the wild card garbage and everything how are if the two shows really are and truly going to be independently handled how are they going to handle that when Eight of Raw's wrestlers are on SmackDown one week. And is there going to be friction there with how those wrestlers are presented on the other show? And I I don't know. Again, I I hate to be a buzzkill, but I just feel like at the end of the day, this will end up not being all that significant. And I do think that Vince is just going to be running things until the day he dies or he's not mentally competent enough to do so.
0: Right. What's your take on all this? Yeah. So, and and the thing that's, I think important to do is it's not, it's not unprecedented that this has occurred. I mean, this, this almost exact same thing, occurred back in 1996. And I know you, you remember this, and, and if some of our listeners don't, then then you know this is a good time to, to kind of read up about it or, or, or go back and look at it. But uh, there was a time when Vince McMahon brought in Bill Watts, 1996. He brought in Bill Watts and said, Bill, I'm giving you complete control of this company. I am going to be sort of, the, the ultimate overseer, but like I want you to have, bring your ideas and your expertise and everything that you want to do to this company. I'm, I'm giving it to you. I forget the exact month that it happened. I believe it was in the build, maybe at WrestleMania 12, right after WrestleMania 12. I forget what it was. It was sometime in, in, in the spring. And Essentially, it lasted three weeks until Bill Watts just said, fuck off, I'm out of here, because Bill would say, hey, I want this. And would like, I know we can't do that. Or, you know, hey, I want to do this idea. No, we're not going to do that idea. And it, Bill Watts essentially just said, okay, you brought me in for my ideas and my expertise, but then you won't let me do anything that I want to do. Well, then I'm I'm useless here and, and I'm going to leave. So that lasted... A few weeks, you know, there was in 1994. He brought in, you know, guys like a Jerry Jarrett um, uh, to kind of be a little bit more of a creative liaison and 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 whatever. And that lasted a very small amount of time as well. This has happened from time to time, and we we talk about. We can go back even to uh, the original brand split, which I think this most sort of closely resembles in terms of Raw and SmackDown. You know, Vince buying out his competition in terms of ECW and WCW and then deciding, okay, well, the best way to spice this thing up is to kind of have our own competition, our internal competition between Raw and SmackDown. And there was a little while where they felt different. Paul Heyman was running SmackDown. Uh, You know, I think it was Stephanie and and her crew were running Raw, and and they did feel like diametrically different shows for a little bit, where SmackDown had a little bit of a different look and feel and different, obviously, storylines and different, you know, sort of approaches to things, but little by little, and and over time, once Paul Heyman was removed from power and and little by little, they kind of just became the Thing and we, we see that sort of happening all the time is that there, these shakeups do happen over time. This isn't unprecedented for it, but they don't stick, they never really last beyond a little bit. And and even when they do last, there still has sort of the overarching fingerprints of, of Vince Man all over it, and that's what this is going to be as well. When we, we read some of the, you know, the, the the press releases about this and everything about it is that yes, these guys are quote unquote executive directors. And, and we'll, we'll talk in a bit about the hierarchy of WWE and where the hell, you know, like triple H falls into this or whatnot, but these guys are executive directors of these brands. But at the end of the day, it's still Vince McMahon being the filter. Uh, one way or another. And like you said, it, it's it's a little bit more complicated this time too because if you have this wild card rule and if you are going to share talent between the two, then presumably Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff have to work together and you can't have diametrically different shows if those guys are going to work together. If, if Paul Heyman is going to book Dolph Ziggler, however he's going to book Dolph Ziggler, and Eric Bischoff wants to book Dolph Ziggler a completely different way, that just can't happen. It has to be an overarching – everybody has to be somewhat on the same page, even if things kind of look and feel a little bit different in terms of of the overall. So I'm kind of with you in the sense that, to me, it doesn't – it doesn't strike me as like, oh my god, this the whole WS cha- like the entire game has changed today. It's it's completely different. I just think the news is just fascinating too because it, it it to me it shows so much about this and there's so many different kind of questions and players and all this sort of stuff. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it, why I think it's 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 important to kind of touch on uh, to, to to lead off the show. I Even mean, there's so much news to get on, uh, you know, going on this week and and stuff we need to talk about, but to me what it what it shows is a we've been right for the months and months and months that we've been screaming that people you know if people on twitter can tell us and I don't want to get in arguments with just idiots on twitter and randoms on twitter cuz most of the people who listen to the show are smart enough and they know cuz they're listening to the show so they're smart wrestling fans but they know that we've been screaming about these ratings these attendances the house show attendances, the raw attendances, the stopping grounds—we're going to get to in a little bit. There were signs that there was bad stuff brewing in this company, really, really bad stuff brewing in this company. And the idea that oh, they don't care, ah, they, that doesn't matter to them, or I ah, know it's, it's water on the bridge, or whatever, they'll 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 make it up, or hey, they got their TV deal, they they don't care, they do care. <laughs> I mean, this is if, if things are going great, this move doesn't happen, right? Can we both? agree on that and everybody listening can kind of agree on that if if record house show business is occurring and and ross sold out in five seconds and stopping grounds was full and filled to the rafters or whatever this move doesn't happen right
1: no of course this is right <laughs> it's because things are going bad i mean you know there's there's there'd be no reason yeah that, that's that's exactly why this is all happening
0: and then two, I think the names are very interesting as well, and that's you know, and we'll get to Triple H here in a bit because I think he's an interesting thing, and I think a lot of people are taking different takes on on Triple H and how he presumably feels, and I think you and I have a similar idea. So we'll, we'll get to him in a in a bit. I just want to talk about these two guys right now. The idea that okay, stomping grounds was terrible attendance. Everett Raw was one of the worst show, worst attended Raw's in in in, in modern history, and ratings are record lows all this sort of time. And the idea that, okay, all this stuff sort of happening and we're going to get a giant deal on Fox. We are about to move to Fox, the biggest TV deal we've ever had in our lives. And it's the same extent the USA deal with Raw is still going to be one of the biggest deals they've ever had, too. But the, the, the Smackdown Fox one, I mean, this is like this game changing deal that they're coming with. And the idea is that, okay, the two guys we're going to bring in to, to, to oversee this, presumably, quote-unquote, maybe the figureheads or whatever it's going to be, and, and in the case of Eric Bischoff, we'll talk about that in a sec as well, to be kind of the liaison between the company and Fox executives, the idea that the two guys that you bring in are Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff, to me, is just – it, it. if that's not the microcosm of everything that really, big picture-wise, is wrong with WWE and the decision-making of WWE – This is it right there, and and I don't really like. I hate to throw Paul Heyman in this too because I truly believe, and I don't know what you think about this, Joe. I think that Paul Heyman, even though I don't know if his finger's on the pulse as much as it was 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I truly believe that that's the guy that's going to do the work, know what's going on in the wrestling business, aware of what's in the wrestling business, aware of what else is going on. Like, he, I, I don't really, if he's given like a lot of power and a lot of whatever, I don't really think that Paul Heyman isn't going to work. I think Paul Heyman could work. The problem is, is he can be able to get along with, with Vince McMahon. Is he gonna be able to get along with everybody? He's never done that. You know, he's been in power and in position many, many times. And it lasts a very short amount of time because he's kind of, he, he's very opinionated. <laughs> he's very strong-willed. So that's my bigger worry is that does the Paul Heyman thing last long versus can Paul Heyman do the job? I think he absolutely can do the job. And I think He's a guy that's going to work his ass off and, and know what's going on in wrestling and still, I think, has his finger on the pulse. Maybe, maybe before I get to Bischoff, Joe, do you kind of agree that that Paul Heyman is a guy that at least you think on the outside is, is, is somebody who seems to sort of understand what's going on?
1: Well, let me ask you a series of questions. Um, do you, in general, in general, big picture in general, do you enjoy the Brock Lesnar stuff? I do. Big picture in general, did you enjoy the Ronda Rousey stuff? Of course. How about the Becky Lynch rise?
0: Yeah, great stuff.
1: How about not the Saudi disaster, but the Bill Goldberg return a couple of years ago when he was Yeah, against
0: Brock Lesnar and stuff. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was incredible.
1: That's all Paul Heyman?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: That's the stuff that Paul Heyman had massive influence with. Brock Lesnar, obviously, Ronda Rousey, Goldberg, um, and 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 Becky Lynch, you could see his fingerprints all over it, and it's been widely reported that he's got his fingerprints and his hands, and all of those things, and all of those things are like good. Those are that's been some of the best shit in the company over the last two or three years. So to answer your question. I have no qualms if somebody wanted to hand the reins over to Paul. If you gave Paul Heyman, let me put it to you this way. If you gave Paul Heyman absolute power to run Raw, I would be 100% confident it'd be a good to great show within six months. And I think ratings would start to turn around. How's that? How's that for a strong...
0: There uh, it is. Need. Paul. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean that. I, I, I genuinely mean that because I do think he keeps his finger on the pulse. All of the best shit in the company is the shit that he has a hand in creatively. And the most important thing about Paul Heyman, and again, we're talking about Becky Lynch and Brock Lesnar and the way Goldberg came off for four months. The most important thing about Paul Heyman, as he might be the only person in that building who still understands what it takes to make a star. Right. And to make somebody look larger than life and more impressive than everybody else. Because everything he has his hands in, it feels special and feels different from Goldberg to Rousey to Lesnar to Becky. And there may be others that I'm not privy to or that I'm forgetting, but... So yeah, I I, I have no worries about... But But again... Ultimately, I don't think these guys are going to have any kind of difference-making power. But anyway, now go ahead and talk about Bischoff.
0: And then there's Eric Bischoff. <laughs> it's just, to me, this is the idea that, okay, we, we, need, we need to have either A, someone to shake things up and, and, and change things and, and, and help the product and yada, 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 or we need someone that's going to be a good liaison between Fox and our company. The idea that Eric Bischoff was the guy that was chosen. i That's the one I can't... Again, the Paul Hammond one, like you said. If, if you told me that Paul Hammond was overseeing the entire company or the creative, I'd be like, yeah, fine, whatever. That's going to be cool. I think he's he's a good guy. He's a guy that will stand up for his ideas and yada, yada, all that sort of stuff. I just cannot, for the life of me, understand the idea of going to Eric Bischoff. I mean, to me, that is... It, it's so damning of how Vince McMahon and, and whoever made whoever was at the table deciding that this was going to be the person that we wanted to appoint, whether it be a figurehead position, whether it just be a, uh, whatever it is. The idea that Eric Bischoff is the guy we want to bring in and the guy we want to be the public face of this brand that's about to get the biggest publicity that WWE has ever gotten on Fox. And we want Eric Bischoff to be the guy. is just to me, it, 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 if there's nothing else that proves that, that Vince McMahon or that WWE has no fucking clue what's going on in wrestling, it's that. Eric Bischoff, who the last time that dude has done anything successful was 1998. He had a, a year and a half where he didn't fuck that company up royally. And then he drove that company into fucking bankruptcy and or into, you know, death, basically. He wasn't the only reason, of course, but he was one of the primary reasons. And then the other thing, too, I love that. We, we always just gloss over the fact that he was a TNA for, for years, too, and nothing happened there. And in a lot of cases, he drove that company into a lot of financial distress too, in terms of going live and, and and touring and all that sort of stuff. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that Bischoff did in TNA that was a horrible disaster as well. So the idea that okay, we get to the table and who's the guy that we need to write this ship? Who's the guy that we can we can use, or who's the guy that could be the public face of us writing the ship, or whatever it may be? The idea that any decision makers in that company chose Eric Fucking Bischoff is just—it's mind boggling to me, Joe. It's absolutely mind boggling. Even if his position is nothing, even if it is just nothing. It's I I just can't comprehend how you would think that Eric Bischoff is the guy to bring in.
1: I mean, you said it all. The guy's been... And and here's the other thing. He hasn't been involved in wrestling for, what, five years?
0: We talk about finger of the pulse with Paul Heyman. Eric Bischoff has no finger on any pulse of pro wrestling whatsoever. He knows nothing. He knows whatever Conrad Thompson tells him to watch that week for his podcast. That's what he knows. He doesn't know shit about anything else going on in pro wrestling.
1: Yeah and and and, like you say, he hasn't had any modicum of success whatsoever in twenty years in literally twenty years. So I don't get that one either, and you're putting him in charge of the show going on Fox, the biggest money deal in the history of your company, which again, and I'm gonna keep hammering this home. this is why I think these guys won't have a ton of power. You really genuinely think. They're going to let Eric Bischoff steer that ship.
0: (laughs) It would be ridiculous, yeah. I don't don't buy it. I don't don't
1: buy it. I don't think this is a case of stupidity. I just don't... I do not buy it. I I, I don't think they'll allow that to happen. So, you know, and, and, and here's the thing. Paul Heyman's a pretty smart guy. If these were genuine power positions, wouldn't he want the Fox one? I mean... Why would he want to be the one on USA?
0: Um, I, I think it, let's assume that these are big power positions. I think if if given an opportunity, I, I will say this I, for, for one, one credit to Bischoff is if you have these two people, if you decide, okay, it's these two guys. Okay. Who goes to what brand? The idea of Paul Heyman getting in a room and talking to Fox execs. I don't know. I'd probably rather have Eric Bischoff because he's a, a very good bullshitter, professional bullshitter, long-time bullshitter. Whereas I don't know that I'd really want if I was WWE have to have Paul Heyman be my guy, to you be have, my leader.
1: Hold on a second, though. Hold on a second. You have Vince McMahon to talk to TV execs. Well, he's according,
0: gonna, to he's, according to everything, according to everything, and again, I don't know if this is true or not. But quote, according to Just Bizarro and the press release, Bischoff will also work directly with executives from Fox, which will air on SmackDown Live, uh, which will air SmackDown Live beginning this October. Bischoff will work directly with executives from Fox.
1: Okay, yeah, that's. I mean, I
0: don't know if that's pandering or bullshit or whatever, but you know, I don't know. <laughs>
1: All right, but I mean, I don't know. I still think something smells about this, and I don't. I still don't buy it. Um, I think what's going to happen is eventually their roles are going to be whittled down to essentially the top writer in the writer's room, and they're just going to be the guy handing the script to Vince, and Vince is going to do his thing. And if anything, I think you'll see short term changes, and nothing long term. I have no faith that Vince McMahon can relinquish control at this point. Um, because wh- why? Why would I have any faith in that? Right. So I just don't buy any of it, and I and I don't. And I don't understand. It's it's like, what about Bruce Prichard? And Paul Heyman, not Paul Heyman, Triple H. It's like tri- Bruce Pritchard has to feel slighted.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I remember he was the savior, what, three months ago or whatever. And, and the first raw was, oh, this segment's good. Bruce Pritchard must have done this. Oh, that segment was bad. Oh, well, Bruce had nothing to do with that one. Remember that for two yeah, weeks. And, now, and then everybody fucking forgot that he was even there because the shit sucked and it was doing record, record low ratings. So we just decided that we weren't going to credit Bruce Pritchard anymore. So. But Triple H, it's like, if I were him, and this is
1: probably the way he's thinking, I wouldn't want any part of this.
0: God, no. Are you kidding? Kid, I... <laughs> that's... I, the, the Triple H thing is... And, and and I've seen a lot of tweets and a lot of reactions of, oh my God, Triple H's got to just feel absolutely slighted. Oh my God, Triple H got passed over whatever. And there's some reports that he was offered SmackDown and didn't take it. but I, I, Regardless of whatever the hell happened, you don't think that Triple H realizes this is a fucking unmitigated disaster and is just saying, look, you guys fuck around and do whatever this shit is. When when the old man croaks, I got my team and I'm ready to take over. You guys do whatever you're gonna. That because I truly believe that's what he's thinking. He's thinking, yeah. knock yourself out. This is gonna be a fucking disaster. I don't know how this Fox deal is gonna go. Triple H is smart. Like I, you know, for all we sort of say about and criticize or whatever about Triple H, I think he's a very smart dude who does has it does have a finger on the pulse a lot of what's going in and out of wrestling. And I think he understands this is a train wreck. My you know, father in law has no fucking clue what he's doing anymore. I'm gonna wait this thing out. Dude's going to croak in a little bit, and I'll be ready to take over, fire Kevin Dunn, fire all these assholes, and I have my team. I have my 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 Gabe Sapolsky's and my Adam Pierce's. those sort of – I mean, he's been assembling that crew. There's Carino's, those sort of guys in NXT for forever. I think he's he's waiting this thing out and just saying, look, do whatever the hell you want to do for a few years when this thing's a disaster or whatever. I'll be here, and I'm ready whenever the time comes. But why would you want a part of this if you're Triple H? Are you out of your mind? Of course he doesn't want any part of this. No part of it. Why, why
1: would he? the thing is he's already 50 like everyone has this idea oh well you know vince is going to die and this young guy is going to take over if vince lives 10 more years he'll be 60 <laughs> right you know what i mean and then it's like how much longer does he have or how much energy will he have and and how will his ideas still you know what i mean it's like he's already past 50 at this point So, uh, you know, this, he's going to be waiting around. He'll be, he's going to be an old man by the time he, and how long have we been waiting around for him to take the reins? Has it been 10 years? When did he marry her?
0: Uh, oh God, jeez! Uh, the actual marriage,
1: or when did he get that position and, and shave the uh, <sighs> and cut off the ponytail? when, oh, the, po- when, the,
0: <laughs> when the ponytail cut. I want to say that was two thousand eleven.
1: I want to say,
0: first, was, was, the, say it was somewhere around there. So that
1: was the. I think it was the around the time of the New York WrestleMania two thousand thirteen. Maybe was that the first New York WrestleMania? Uh,
0: the one um. All right, so he was the founder. Okay, so in 2010, uh, Levesque's role as the executive senior advisor was officially formalized as he was given an office in the WWE headquarters. Uh, he was named, uh, or Levesque, I don't know why I said Levesque, uh, uh executive vice president, talent, and live events in 2011. Uh, and then 2013, his title was elevated to executive vice president of talent, live events, and creative. And that's that's about when he shaved the ponytail as <laughs> well. So 13 is about That's I think what I'm talking shaved. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: 13 was the big elevation because I remember him being the front man when it was like the the point man, when New York got that WrestleMania and that's when he revealed that he had the new professional haircut and all that, that it was 13. So either way, I mean, you know, that's six years since he got elevated to where he is now and what, almost 10 years since he got an office position. So, we're creeping up on a decade of waiting around for this guy to take over and you know Vince is what 71 and if you ignore some of the rumors going around about his health it's not inconceivable that he lives another 7 8 years you know it, it's but yeah i don't know why he this this is a everything is moving backwards at terrifying rates, whether it's the uh, the uh, the ratings, obviously, if you've been hammering home, the attendance, which we're going to talk about, is now spiraling downward. They had a money-losing quarter, which is still unfathomable to me that they can lose money in a quarter, this company. And it, the second quarter might not be much better, even with WrestleMania and all that. And it's like, you know, this is not a good time. I mean, you could argue, okay, well, I could be the guy to turn it around, but with 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 Vince still sitting there making the final decisions and you have to filter everything through him, I'd let someone else – I mean, if if they if they fail on Fox, why do you want your name associated with that? Let Eric Bischoff be the full guy yes. for something. Yes. Oh, like I'm that.
0: so glad you said that in exactly that term. And I did see that kind of bandied about. Is it possible that Eric Bischoff, who, who – who has no self-respect anyway, at this point, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like he would not care. He just if... wants a paycheck. Exactly. Right. So if they said, Hey, look, we don't know if this Fox thing is going to work out or not. You want a paycheck for a few months and then we can blame you. And he probably said, sure. That'd
1: be great. Why do you, like, think, he, why do you think he does that podcast where he just makes shit up out of thin air?
0: Oh, what are, you, Joe, team, are you kidding? Are you kidding? Oh, come on. No, they had no plans for the white Hummer whatsoever. Joe, are you kidding?
1: Doesn't remember anything. <laughs> makes things up. Lies to his stinks. teeth. That was so bad. It's a horrible show. It's, it's highly successful, just like the other horrible Conrad show with with Pritchard. They both stink. Listen, you know I've never been a fan of either of those shows. I think they both stink. But people love that shit. And and, and it's way more successful than, than this show is. You know, but it's like, but they stink. But the only thing he's doing next, he needs the money. So, of course, he's going to take it. He doesn't care. I'm sure he'd like to do well. I'm not suggesting he's going to go there and sandbag it. But – I don't like his odds no. with the way things are trending. Why would I like his odds to turn it around when he doesn't have his finger on the pulse, hasn't been around, has no track record of success over the last 20 years. Um, and, and, and who knows if he would have had any success if he didn't sign Hulk Hogan in 1994, when, when Vince kind of wanted to wash his hands of him for a while anyway. So I, it, I, why would you have any faith that, so It's just odd to me it doesn't add up why he got the Fox show and Heyman got the cable show. And it just seems to me that either Heyman was wary of the Fox thing because it might be an unwinnable game the way things are trending. Or maybe Heyman was just more comfortable working with Brock and and, and, and all of his and, – and Becky and and maybe if Ronda comes back and all his people on Raw. But that could always be moved and shifted. Wait, Becky's on SmackDown, isn't she? Who even knows anyone?
0: Well, anymore? no. I guess she's technically on Raw more than SmackDown now because she's the Raw Women's Champion. She's no longer the SmackDown Women's yeah. Champion. So, so and if you're wild card, Joe. Wild card. <laughs> and if you're
1: a big star, you're on both shows. Is right. there really a bland, brand split at this point? Not really, no. I mean, if you're a big star, you're on both shows. It doesn't even matter. Um, so it's just that's a giant weird red flag that I can't identify the reason for it, that. Eric Bischoff ended up on Fox. That's it's weird to me. So I don't know what else you make of that, or, or um, yeah. Do I think he'll be successful? I mean. That's the thing. I don't know what their job is going to be. That's the other thing about this. Um, you know, ultimately I, I don't think they're gonna have a ton of power. And I don't think it's gonna matter. But then what's the point of all this? Um one theory I heard tossed around was, you know, they've got the quarterly call coming up. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be a good quarterly call. No,
0: it's going to be a bloodbath again.
1: So maybe this is getting ahead of that. Oh, we got some changes coming. Right. We've got the guy who beat me for eighty-three weeks coming in, and and he's a tremendous wrestling mind. And we've got this other guy who's considered the preeminent, you know, uh, creative mind in wrestling over the you know, and and maybe, uh, you know, this is something to get ahead of that call and and be proactive in. Okay. The investors are going to be annoyed for now what amounts to half a year. We've got to have some answers before they ask the questions. We have to show that we're being proactive about our declining business across the board. Because, Rich, literally everything is down. We'll find out about the network. The network numbers we'll find out on the call. If they choose to share them, this time.
0: right, which they stop disclosing, which should tell you all you need to know about the network numbers, is hey, we don't need to disclose those. Hey, who cares? <laughs> you know, George berrios ah, you know what? Whatever. You know, yes, if the numbers were great, they wouldn't say, ah, you know, let's not even we don't That's even what touch they mean. on that. So yeah, if they, let's if talk they about don't... social media numbers instead. That's more important to our business than you know. So if, network, they, if yeah. they don't
1: if they don't talk about them, we'll know that they're not good too. Right. But both, uh, you know, both sides of television are. are... Not just down, but just tumbling badly, and um, "Love and Hip Hop Atlanta" beat them in the demo this week. By the way, wrong. Uh-oh. Okay, Uh-oh. and that's the that's the second or third time. So you literally cannot say number one on still number one on cable. You can't even say that anymore because you know every other week they're they're even losing in the demo. That was the one thing people were holding on to. Well, they're still number one in the demo, and that's all that counts. Well, sometimes they're not anymore. And I don't know why the soccer game doesn't seem to count. Why does the shit
0: <laughs> – Sports like, counts. It doesn't count sometimes, yeah.
1: Yeah, like we just choose not to count that. But anyway, and SmackDown, same boat, you know, and and live attendance in the fucking shitter. You got a Raw-drawn 3,500 fans, which people can't even find the last time Raw drew that, that few number of paying fans one night after they gave away between 2 thousand and 2500 tickets for a pay-per-view a pay-per-view which by the way did 9800 pay-per-view buys and people are probably thinking well who cares no one paid but here's the thing that's 33 percent down yeah from the last B level right
0: money pay-per-view. in the bank money in the bank w- was was the the prior one that we kind of have numbers for and yeah this that's was a, down 33 percent. <laughs>
1: Which, which, okay, That what that tells you is, it shows you the interest level in that pay-per-view, and it shows you the interest level in the company right now, is what that pay-per-view number tells you. And unless it's because there was a gigantic spike in network subscription. Right, every single
0: person that watched Money in the Bank, those 33% of the people all went and bought the network that month.
1: Which, when everything else is debt, when the attendance for the show itself is down, and they're curtaining off half the arena, and the, and the ratings are down, it tells you that that's not what happened here what it's telling you is there's far less interest in the company across the board and it's bad so circling back to the point i was making maybe this is something that they 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 could be pro, they they could proactively walk into that call and say well here's what we're doing because we know all of this is bad they'll never say that but here's what we're doing you know here's you know so they have something in all of our job, look, shit, when things aren't going well in my job and I have to go talk to my boss, I'm coming into that meeting armed with some proactive things that I have planned or at least some BS. You can't walk into that kind of meeting and just go, ah, yeah, I know, it's terrible, isn't it? I don't know what I'm going to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we're fucked. Yeah, sorry. <laughs>
1: yeah, so, you know, I relate it to what I do for a living as well. Like, you know, if I have one facet of what I'm responsible for failing badly, I better have a plan when I go talk to my bosses because they're going to ask me for a plan. And, and I'll tell you what, I've learned, I'm going to tell them my plan before they ask for it so that they they know that I got my fucking head screwed on straight and I know what's going on and that I'm aware of the problem and that I've been thinking about it before they ask me to think about it. So that could be what's happening here. And, and again, sometimes it's even BS you know, if it's BS, I think they're going to buy to buy myself some more time to fit. So maybe this is their version of BS to the investors. Here's what we're doing putting these two guys who you know the names, they've had success, they're in charge now as we move forward with the TV deal. What do you think of that theory?
0: No, I think that's it's it's definitely one that that you have to look at the timing of this and in the idea that you know you're going to come to that investor call and if things are looking down and things are look, you know not looking good we we talked about uh, last year I think it was Q4 of, of uh, 2018 where Vince was talking about live event business which was in the shitter and that's when I basically said why are you still doing these like just cut these they're stupid they don't make any sense or you know cut them down drastically and his idea was well we we have some changes in place for the live events that we're going to turn things around and nothing happened and everything was the same and they're still down. And there's only so many times that you can go to this investor call and say, "Yeah, well, you know, here we're going to do that. Yeah, we have an idea here, but this is what we're going to do," without there being some power difference or, or or some changes in executive positions and whatnot. And and you're absolutely right. That is probably what this is. That we need to say, "Hey, look." Things are not looking good, but here's what we're doing to solve those issues. And and whether they will solve the issues or not, that of course will be up for debate. And, and and we'll see how you know the numbers look eventually. But you can't gum from you can't go another month and just sit down at that investor call and go, yeah, we understand stuff's bad, but we're, we're very confident that next quarter you just you can't keep doing that and and, and continue to get investor confidence. And 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 the stock has you know, had some issues over the last few months. It is down quite a bit from where it was even at, at, at its high point, uh, like a half a year ago or even a few months ago. So there, there is, like, there, there, you have to show, as you said, sort of actionable things of this is down, but this is what we're going to do to solve it. And we are confident that what we are going to do is going to solve that issue because you can't just go and say, yeah, it's down, but yeah <laughs> eventually it'll be fine we're sure of it like you, you just can't anymore especially when the number is cooling live event attendance and, and including the ratings you can't ignore it anymore you can't hide behind it anymore as much as people on twitter want to think that you can hide behind it you can't <laughs> it, it's out there in the open and investors know about it and people know about it and and there's just there's not much more you can do and and even to another extent too is is a lot of people believe that that this isn't like the idea that like well They'll just snap their fingers and all the stuff sudden stuff's gonna come back. Like there there's there's probably long term I mean, there, we may have not seen the worst yet. I mean, this summer could be even worse. This next month could be even worse. I mean, this was an eye opening weekend for WWE in terms of the stopping grounds Everett and Everett and the Raw and SmackDown or whatnot. I mean, this is this is bad stuff here. So you need to do something, either from a public face or 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 whatever, to get back public confidence and to get back investor confidence. You just can't scoff at this stuff anymore and and throw it under the, the bus or, or throw and, it under or sweep it under the rug, I should say.
1: Sweep under the rug and the, the last conference call was the one of excuses. Oh, well, the house shows are down because all of our stars were injured. And remember that? It was right, like Roman
0: Reigns is out and, and this guy's out and that guy's out. Well, they're all back. <laughs> and, so you, know? you
1: can't, you can't, again, to use a, we're working out. You can't use excuses again. Now your bosses who are in this case, the investors are going to want, uh, you know, actions. What are we doing to change it now? We We heard the excuses already. Even the people that work for me, eventually I get tired of hearing excuses and I will cut them off and I'll say, "Look, no more excuses. What are you doing to change it?" I know what's happening. That's why we're having this discussion. So, what are we doing to change it? You know what I mean? Right. It's like it's like I and I don't want to hear the excuses anymore, okay? We I heard the excuses the last 3 times we talked. Now I want to know what the actions are. And the last conference call there were a lot of excuses. So, it's just the timing of all this, too. And I, and look, I know it's been in the works. I saw the report that they've they've been trying to talk Heyman into this for a number of weeks, which tells you that he wasn't fully on board and he was kind of suspicious of taking it. And then, you know, they, then they started talking to, to Bischoff and, and got him to come on board, too. Um, So, look, you, you reportedly have Triple H turning down one of these roles. You have Paul Heyman, who it took a month and a half to talk him into it. You know, it's it's like, these are smart guys who know that, you know, they may just, is there, is there a way to win this game if you're in that position? Because what if things do turn around? Are you going to get the credit? But they will demote you or fire you if they don't turn around. If Fox turns around and says, well, this Raw is killing us, we're putting you on FS1, it, whose head is going to roll? This is Bischoff's. Who would want that job? You know, and if if, if it's, if Raw's a huge success on Fox, who's going to be the front page of Variety and who's going to be out? It's, it's Vince. He's a genius. And now he's a genius on network television. After 40 years, of, you know that's how it's all going to go. So, you know, what a bizarre story. And, and I'm sure... It's going to shift and change as we move through the week and even beyond. But it's really not encouraging to me when I see a report that, oh, they're going to be slowly integrated into their role. They're going to be worked in slowly. Uh, you know, it, I, Again, I just have 100 red flags, and I, I genuinely don't believe that they're going to have real power. Just like you talked about with Bill Watts, where when they tried this before, they didn't grant him any kind of real power. And he's another guy who he had been out of wrestling for at least four years. When was he in charge of WCW? So 92. 1992,
0: yeah. 1992, he came into WCW, which was also when we talk about you know bringing old guys back in. Another disaster where a guy who I think he stopped booking, I want to say 86 or 87, and basically got out of wrestling and didn't really follow it and didn't do anything, and was brought back in 1992. So we're talking 86, 87, whatever yeah. to 1992, and was already lost, like like completely lost. Had no idea what was going on in the modern business, and and pretty much laughed out of WCW uh, as quickly as he was there. And that was 1987, 86 or whatever to 1992... Imagine the difference between that and and what Eric Bischoff is, is doing between either two thousand nine yeah. and, and now or twenty years ago and and now if we're not counting the the impact stuff which everybody seems when to when always. when things when things move and shift faster now every don't. every five months everything's changing every two yeah. weeks everything's changing this come this business is out of fucking control right now it's just nuts so the idea that some guy can waltz in after you know nine years or, or, or six years or whatever and and or twenty years or whatever is, is is ludicrous that the idea that especially somebody who's we know isn't watching it and and wasn't a guy who I think at any time really had his finger on the pulse. You know, Bischoff, I don't know that even in, in his impact days that he really had his finger on the pulse. So a guy who hadn't had his fingers on the pulse and hasn't really followed the business in 20 years is, is the guy that's, you know, assuming power there. It's just, it's 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 wild. It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, ah, so that's that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what ends up going on with this story. This will be one, of course, to follow uh, <laughs> as it continues and goes on. But, uh Joe, let's get into uh sticking with WWE. We'll talk, we've been touching on a little bit. Don't be stomping ground. Live from the Tacoma Dome. Hey, let me ask you a quick question. Yeah, yeah. Question. Go ahead. Oh yeah, go ahead.
1: Right, right before we do, let me ask you a quick question. If instead of Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff, let's just say the announcement today was that Gabe Sapolsky and I don't know Glenn Joseph were taking over the respective, or just pick any of the two guys that are sort of um, in the in the in the Triple H sphere. Okay. Would your take on this be different? This yeah. overall story?
0: It would. In what ways? Because you- I think I, for me personally, and again, like this might just be me. And I understand that it's not a sexy pick to pick, you know, Gabe Sapolsky and Glenn Joseph or or Jim Smallman or whoever the hell you want to say. Adam or Pe- yeah. whatever. Insert random name of a of, of guy that we know is sort of aligned Those with the Those four
1: company. perfect or Carino yeah. or whatever. whatever. Yeah, them. yeah.
0: To me, I it would it would let me know if the decision makers in WWE or Ventic Man or whoever again was at that table and decided, yes, these are our guys, are aware of the issues going on in the company and aware that maybe they or the company is out of touch with what's going on in modern wrestling and bring in those guys, albeit I don't know if you can consider Gabe Sapolsky the guy who 100% is his finger on the pulse of modern wrestling. I would. If you disagree, that's fine. It's whatever. But to me, that's a guy who who understands the come up, understands the, the workers that are in the company right now, understands what people enjoy about pro wrestling in 2019 and, and, and why people watch pro wrestling in 2019 and, and the stars of pro wrestling and what other companies are doing too. To me, those guys, you know, the progress guys, Gabe Sapolsky, Pierce, Karina, whoever you want to say, are guys that I truly believe know what's going on in the, in the world of wrestling and are aware of what's going on in the world of wrestling. And, and more than, than them specifically, it would let me know that the decision makers in WWE are aware that maybe they don't know what's going on in, in, in the world of wrestling, but they are going to appoint people that do know and, and and give confidence to people that do know what's going on in the world of wrestling. This, Heyman and Bischoff, is the opposite. This says, let's just go back to the well, go back to our little comfy blanket of you know the security blanket of the Attitude Era. That's all this tells yeah. me it, it is. And it yeah. tells me that they're completely out of touch with what's going on in wrestling. Of, okay, we need, to, we need to get back on track. Uh, let's go back to what we did in 1997, 1998, which they've done time and time and time again. We've talked about how the Attitude Era broke Vince McMahon. He's never been able to get away from that. He's never been able. He's always chasing the new rock and the new Stone Cold. He's just never been able to break out of that. And unfortunately, modern U.S. wrestling has not been able to break out of that, really, in a lot of ways. We had a, a great article by Garrett Kidney um, on VoicesWrestling.com just talking about please let the 90s die. It's like time and time again in terms of people like Don Callis taking over for Impact, who who Don has some good ideas, but you know what some of the first things he does is brings in Sabu and Rob Van Dam and Tommy Dreamer. You have, you know, you know Bully Ray talking about how he wants to bring ECW vibes to Ring of Honor, and we're seeing now how that's going this entire year. And now this sort of thing, and it's just like we're always sort of chasing these ghosts of 1997, 1998, and 1999. And it's like, what are we doing? Like, let's move forward. Let's progress. Let's do something different. And 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 that would be something different. That'd be different voices in, in, in the room if there were guys like Sapolsky or Joseph or Smallman or whoever. These are not different voices. These are the same voices that were unsuccessful 25 years ago. You know, so
1: there is one undisputable thing you can say about Gabe Sapolsky no matter what else you think about is he knows how to identify future stars. I think that's undeniable. You could argue that he doesn't know how to get them over anymore when you look at evolves attendance over the last you know half decade is that fair? Ever since they lost all the um ever since basically WWE gutted him in what? Was that 2015 or 14? Pretty much, yeah. He hasn't been able to draw. Um, and, and the other, you know, if you want to talk about like Smallman and Joseph, for all the bashing that they take, and people are really just bitter at them because they quote unquote sold out. And I get it. Right. I understand that. I honestly would have done the same thing they did.
0: Oh, absolutely. And its We're going to talk about when we get to AEW. There's an issue with presenting yourself and advertising yourself as a thing. And then if you don't always be that thing, then people that bought into that thing now get very upset. So the idea of punk rock pro wrestling and we're pro wrestling from the underground. And then, you know, Triple H comes up with a big contract and they go, oh, (laughs) you know, I would do the same fucking thing. But I get it why people are upset if you sell out.
1: They would have been fools. They have... Jobs in WWE now, and there, and and look, they, they did the right thing. Okay, even if I think it absolutely destroyed the scene too, I can't say I wouldn't have done the same thing. And as far as the punk rock wrestling thing, it's a fucking it's a marketing slogan. <laughs> people <laughs> people that dunk on them for that I know. incessantly are such dorks. It's it's just a marketing slogan, you know. And like it's like when people you know strong style wrestling for you know New Japan, right? It's like – and then people will lecture you on what's <laughs> –
0: Strong violence, style yeah.
1: wrestling is whatever they want it to fucking be today. It's just a marketing slogan. It doesn't mean – like the, the, the style of wrestling New Japan is doing now is totally different than what they were doing in 2002, which is totally different than what they were doing in 92. It, it, it just – stop with 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 living and dying by marketing slogans, okay? But my point with those two guys is they built something from nothing. And they created and built regional stars that later became international stars. And again, like my Heyman point, you can't, no matter what you think of them or what they did or you're upset at them or whether you think they've lost their touch now, um, it's undeniable and inarguable that they did that and built this thing from nothing and built and created. Huge regional stars that are now, in some cases, international stars on the backs of the way they promoted their business. And before it took people to catch up to the idea that that slogan was just a slogan, people bought into it for those first few. That's why they're mad. okay, And. You know, and and, and, and the, the the clever booking and and, and the great storylines of the early years of progress and the Marty Skrull stuff uh, before people turned on him and, and you know, the Will Osprey O's stuff and, and 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 everything that went on. Pete Dunn later on, you know. So yeah, I would have like I agree with you. I think what it would tell me is the company saying, Okay, we need people who are forward thinking and are modern. And maybe have different ideas, not even necessarily for thinking, but just have different ideas that we don't, that we have not tried or have been exposed to. And we're going to be open to them. The question would then be would they be open to them? My answer would still be no. My answer would still be yeah. these guys aren't going to have real power, but I'd be way more encouraged by it. Not so much. Look, Heyman is Heyman, but, but Bischoff, that is just so ridiculous. And, but anyway. Um, stomping grounds rich
0: oh yeah so we we talked about it a little bit in terms of uh having a little bit of issues (laughs) selling the place out uh we had heard there were some ghastly numbers there prior uh there were reports that they were giving away free tickets at malls that you could basically just walk up to the arena and probably get a free ticket uh they were doing two-for-one deals at one point i mean just an unmitigated business disaster uh stomping grounds was but uh as a show overall though what do you think of the the overall picture of stomping grounds i i think you and I are probably going to have similar thoughts, but but I'm I'm curious what you thought of, of the show itself.
1: I mean, I thought the first half of the show was shockingly good. I didn't think it, there was anything great. Well, I should take that back. I thought the pre-show ma- – you probably didn't watch it, but I thought the pre-show – right,
0: That's right. wrong. That's incorrect. I'm a 205 yeah. Live guy now. Of course I'm watching the pre-show. Are you there kidding? You. So
1: I thought that was great, and I thought the first half of the actual pay-per-view portion – I was like, wow, we're on the right track here because if this finishes strong, this is going to be a legitimately very good to great pay-per-view because the first three or four matches were were a lot of fun and were really good. And then I thought the show absolutely fell off a cliff when with the Bailey Alexa Bliss match and never got it back and I thought the last four matches were uh, atrocious. Two of them in my opinion, two of the worst matches of the year, and one of which is my running worst match of the year.
0: Oh, let's get to it then. Okay. Worst
1: than Cabana Yano.
0: Wow. Okay. Let's start at the top. Let's start at the, the main event here. Uh, Universal subtle match, uh, Seth Rollins defeating Baron Corbin, special referee uh, Lacey Evans, of course. Uh, the side topic that we have to touch on, of course, is the build up to this match is Seth Rollins being an absolute dork on Twitter and, and telling everybody that, you know, WWE is the best wrestling in the world and yada, 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 and chest thumping and all that sort of stuff. That was going to probably be the lead topic of this show. Obviously, we can't do that anymore because so many other things have happened. But uh, what was your take on Seth doing whatever the fuck he was doing, being team leader on, on, on Twitter? Uh, in the, in the build-up to, to Stomping Grounds and during Stomping Grounds as well, because after the Cruiserweight match, he was all ready to say, ah, that's hey, that's what we do here at this company, baby. This is what we are. And then this match happened. But what, what, first off, about Seth Rollins being a dork on Twitter, what were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, he came off like an absolute geek. Um, he got thoroughly owned by Will Ospreay consistently, which is a feat in itself. Um, and And the thing about it, though, is about 48 hours into it, it occurred to me that he was leaning into it a little too hard and he was doing shtick. And it's one thing I wouldn't begrudge Seth Rollins if, okay, you've got Seth Rollins. He's the universal champion. He's the hardest pushed babyface in WWE. You want to make an argument for Kofi or Becky? Fine. They're a three headed monster. Is that fair? Um, but you know, he's, he holds the top title on the top show and he hears all this shit about AEW all the time, and he and his his and, and Moxley is getting all of this hype uh, for the things he's doing in AEW and New Japan, and he's been hearing about New Japan for the last five years. And quite honestly, I wouldn't blame the guy if he had a little bit of chip on his shoulder about it. Could you? I mean, put yourself in his position.
0: Oh, no, for he's, sure. I mean, he's, he's the guy thinking, at the top of the, the company. Fuck? Yeah, yeah. yeah and everything's I'm the biggest going company and... in the
1: world. I'm right. living my dream. I'm the top guy. I'm going out there and having great matches in his mind. Okay, you got to think of it through his his uh, perspective, his point of view. And we're constantly getting shit on, okay? And everybody else is getting all this praise. And I can understand why he'd have a chip on his shoulder. And I don't really have a problem with a guy like that saying, "I listen, I'm the best. I'm in the number one company, and I'm the best. But if he would have just left it at that, I would have just disagreed with him and rolled my eyes and moved on. But then he really started leaning in. And then he did the podcast with Sports Illustrated, and it became more and more obvious at that point. And I even tweeted this out at the time that it's just like, okay, now he's just parroting company stuff, and it's it's like I kind of lost interest in it at that point because now he's just doing company PR. Mm-hmm. It's not. It would have been interesting if he was just this guy with a chip on his shoulder. Who was bantering with Spray, and that's all they were doing was banter. Even, you know, they, they're just they're having fun with each other. But when you realize that at least part of it is a company directive. Because you know, he's not doing that podcast on his own. And it's No, celebrity. of course not.
0: And and some and, of the, the verbiage too. The take your ball yeah, and go home is like yeah. Vince McMahon Playbook 101. Like that was on a sheet of paper saying, Hey, say this. Because that's when Vince McMahon thinks that you quit. And you can't handle things. That's the term that he's always used. And I heard it's, uh, some people say, "Oh, that's you know not just a term that can it can relate to a bunch of different things." But it, it, no, Vince McMahon has always used that term for a guy that walks out and and throws a pity party for himself in terms of Stone Cold, Ultimate Warrior, yeah. or The Rock. Like even you know many guys have, have 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 succumbed to Vince McMahon's take their ball and go home thing. And, and, when, and when
1: people are tired of taking his shit and they don't see things his way, yeah, that's the line that he uses. But at that point, it became more okay well this guy is just he's doing company pr and i'm sure he believes a lot of the things he's saying i mean don't get me wrong but um it's it's more the company using him here's what it told me rich the company has gotten to they are very clearly gotten to with everything else that's going on in wrestling um and and all of the their declining business on top of the critics just being harsher on them than ever, and everyone thinks it sucks except for this the most ardent, ardent hardcore of WWE. Everyone else thinks it's, it's it's just shit right now, and you know, and and they have this new company coming in, and they took one of their guys, and he's hotter than he ever was for them, and all of these things they're gotten to, and they're using Seth in this case as sort of their willing surrogate to express that. That's how it all came off to me once the podcast came out, especially how hard he pushed it, and it, and that made and then it made sense to me why he was leaning in so hard on the day of the pay per view, where he literally said I'm doubling down, and he knew what was planned for him in that main event and knew that that match was going to be shit and still leaned in and doubled down. Because he couldn't have possibly thought that that was going to be good. I,
0: that's that's the thing that got me, and that's that's what I wanted to talk about more than anything. In, in, instead of like railing on the Ambrose thing, and then he he yeah. leaned in even more and did like the, ah indie geeks in their basketball shorts doing flips or whatever, which is very hilarious for Tyler Black of all people to make that. But whatever. But that's when you knew he's just like okay, he's just doing like you know the the normal. Well, you know, I I make more money, and you guys are all geeks that do spy, whatever. He, he's
1: he's feuding with a guy who looks like he parks cars at a strip club. <laughs> exactly
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> I know And that's what I was like oh, okay now and people getting mad about that I'm like you're just playing right into it which again is a pretty terrible strategy for you being the babyface face champion but whatever it's their strategy because they're gotten to so it's whatever but the idea that he's gonna go on there and talk about hey we have the best wrestling and pound the chest and, and say here we go and then this was the main event he knew he knew that this was yes. coming like, if I knew this was coming, I'm logging off for the day, and then maybe a week later after I have a great match with AJ Styles or, or whatever it's going to be, that's when I say, hey, look, we've proved that we're – but he tweets that we're the best company in the world, we're doing great stuff, nobody can touch and, us. And
1: no one does it like me for as many likes <laughs> as I do. And I'm, and Because here's the thing. He didn't hammer home that they're the best entertainment. He didn't hammer home that they're the best variety show. And No, he was talking about his wrestling. And how he's the best on the, in the, on the planet and all this. And he knew that that was the match that they had planned. I mean, it'd be one thing if he knew, okay, I'm going to go out there with Baron Corbin of all people. And I am going to tear the house down for 25 minutes and show people that I'm the best. But no, he knew that this was the plan. The worst match of the year. This is my this is my worst match of the year.
0: Really, this is the worst match. I, I was actually kind of curious if the, the cage match was going to be your worst match. It's
1: close. That one's close. But we'll <laughs> that one,
0: that one's close. Okay. okay, so what? Why was this match your worst match of the year so far?
1: Well, first of all, it was all utter shit. It was, <laughs> first to, to off,
0: me, from the moment it started, and the moment it ended, yes, it was shit. Yes,
1: it wasn't. To me, it wasn't even a match. It was a long angle. That's number one. This was WWE storytelling at its worst, where you get the ref. It's Lacey Evans. And then it's just Vince's real good shit turned up to 10. Because you know this was all him. Where the ref is just changing the rules as you go along. Mm-hmm. But but here's why it's the worst match of the year. First of all, it's never going to be for me. Okay? But I could be okay. Look, if the, if the WWE fans were eating it up and loved it, all right, it's not for me. But Rich, nobody was enjoying this or wanted to see this. The fans spent 90% of this match chanting for other shit from AEW to CM Punk to Daniel Bryan to um, we don't want this.
0: <laughs> that was my favorite one.
1: <laughs> we don't want that. So this, the fans weren't even into this. They hated this. And they cheered Becky when she came in because they knew it was going to be over. They did not want any part of this. They wanted no part of Baron Corbin. Enough of it. Now, can we put to rest forever that Baron Corbin has the good heat? Can we put that to rest for eternity Nobody bought tickets to the show,
0: Joe. I don't know, man. I listened to Boston Open Radio this week, and I heard that he's got great heat and is one of the best he, uh, heels in the entire to company. So. Are, you try-
1: are you trying to wind me up?
0: <laughs> I was listening on my on my car in Sirius XM, uh, whatever station they are, and and I don't know, Joe. I mean, I, I respect their opinions. I mean, Mark Henry, one of the great minds in wrestling, and and you know those guys were all saying that these are the heels. And now
1: listen, Mark Henry. Wasn't well, on that one.
0: Oh, right? I don't know. I don't fucking listen to that show. Are that you was, kidding? Are you out oh, of no, goddamn no, line? listen,
1: listen. That was Bully Ray and LaGreca that day. Oh, God.
0: Okay? That's even worse. But,
1: <laughs> but listen, I'm not letting Mark Henry off the hook because I listened to Mark Henry all week talk about how Baron Corbin had the good heat. Okay? So all three of them are dopes, and they're all lost. Okay? Because uh, – and, and look, and I don't – I didn't do it, but I quote tweeted them directly. And said, explain the fucking attendance then and the crowd reaction to the match. It just – just, we have to put this away forever. Anyone who claims that that guy has the good heat, you have factual evidence to point to that nobody cares about Baron Corbin. They don't care about him enough to hate him, and they're never going to like him. Nobody bought tickets to see him wrestle, and they were chanting for – they just completely rejected the match. That's why it's my worst match of the year. It was rejected by the live audience. It was bad. And it wasn't even a match. It was a long, very bad angle.
0: Yeah, and we'll talk about it with the cage match too. But the psychology of 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 it was just disastrous as well. Because if you have Lacey Evans and she wants to screw over Seth Rollins, she can just count one, two, three and ring the bell. You know what I mean? Like if she can unilaterally change rules whenever she wants, she can just count one, two, three with with his shoulders up and 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 the match is over. Like it's one of these things that like I, I know that like in pro wrestling you have to let some things go. It's a, but it's just like it, it eighteen minutes of. Her changing the rules and her doing whatever she wanted to do was like, well, just fucking count the guy out or just count three or just say he tapped out. Like, you can do this if, if, uh, if the idea is that the referee can kind of change everything. So, yeah, like from a psychology standpoint, it was a disaster. From an actual work standpoint, I mean, nothing in this match was well worked either. I mean, nothing was done well. The crowd didn't give a shit. It was a disaster at the box office. Like, it, it is... I'm it's not the, gonna hate you for it being the worst match of, uh, of the it's year. It's my this worst is, match. And year. this is the thing we always bring up with the worst yeah. match of the year, is and, and we've said this a bunch of times on the show, is that there are probably matches that are worse, but we I like to t- choose a match that like should have been better or was a disaster. You know, what I mean, like there, I'm sure there's some shit bag random indie match or whatever that was way worse or whatever. Who cares? The idea that like this match was a main event of a pay per view and designed to sell tickets and designed to get heat and designed to do all that and was an unmitigated failure. That's the stuff that I look for when I look at my worst matches of the year. Not necessarily. Well, the work was really horrible in this match. The, a match that just is a complete disaster from beginning to end, both business wise, psychology wise, and and, and crowd reaction wise. And and this one, great contender, as good a contender as any.
1: And this crowd was red hot until the closing stretch of this show. So it wasn't bad fans either. Because sometimes you get a bad crowd. I look, you know, I get it. But that wasn't it. This crowd was pretty hot for the early portion of the. They were hot until about right the mid where I said the show fell apart. Right around the Bailey Alexa match. Yeah, and about cage, about
0: a, two minutes into the Bailey Alexa match, it was pretty much over. And then the next hour and a half was just pin drop.
1: Yeah, and the cage match they were just killed dead by that abomination of a match, which is might be the second worst match of the year. And and then the the main event they just did not want. They wanted no part of Baron Corbin. So what do you do when you sell 4,000 tickets? You have to curtain off half your arena. You have to give away 2,500 tickets. Nobody comes to Raw the next night. What do you do on your next period? Of course you main event Baron You double down. <laughs> of course, because why wouldn't you? See, this is what I mean, Rich, to go back to the f- f- first segment of the show. If you told me that Paul Heyman had absolute power, he wouldn't be pushing Baron Corbin anymore after this. Are you confident in that at least?
0: Oh, 100%. Absolutely.
1: I mean, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. Why is he main eventing the next show? You know why? Because they had a plan in place to use this match to set up the mixed tag, and they refused to deviate from that plan because it's real good shit. But it's not. It's it's failing. Change course. It's 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 incredible. You know that they would stick with that after this. This show is going to go down as one of the biggest, absolute, utter disasters of a pay per view they've ever run, from multiple perspectives. But anyway, that's the main. That's what I thought of the it main event. It's my running worst match of the year, and it will. It, it will be shame. a match I will remember forever as being one of the worst matches I've ever
0: seen. Yeah, absolute utter shit. Uh, I love the idea of Becky waiting until like 20 minutes <laughs> into like her boyfriend just getting absolutely fucked over and screwed and, and beaten down. And then, okay, now I've had enough here. And again, when I talk about the psychology of it being silly, it's, and that's it's, it's because the crowd was hot. At the beginning, they were hot for it because they were chanting Becky, 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 thinking, well, yeah, Lacey Evans is playing player recorder, both beating down to the rounds. Of course, Becky Lynch is going to come out and save the day. And then 10 minutes in, nothing happened and they were just like all right well i don't know i I guess she's not going to come out then when she came out they did sort of react a little bit but they already kind of the the gene was out of the i mean that that was you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube at, at that point they had it for a few minutes in because they thought oh becky's gonna come here and even the odds but then she waited you know 19 minutes to do it so
1: this match is a is it's just a microcosm and encapsulates all the problems with the company and why they're losing fans in droves because they think that baby faces facing Un unfucking conquerable odds is what people still want. But people just think it's stupid. Do you know what I mean when I say that? It's like no one this wasn't putting any kind of heat on Lacey Evans or Baron Corbin. This was just making people not wanna want this match to happen anymore. They just wanted all of this to the end and go away. That's why they're chanting for AEW and CM Punk. AEW is the new CM Punk chant. It's like when you're, do- that's how they're gonna call the company out for doing shit that they don't that they don't like. They're gonna chant AEW. And and this match was a encapsulation of everything that's wrong with the company's storytelling. These old antiquated stories of just stacking the odds that everyone is tired of and don't work anymore. And they don't get these people over. It's not Baron Corbin and. Lacey Evans' fault necessarily, even though I would argue that Baron Corbin doesn't have the charisma to be a main eventer as a face or a heel. Lacey Evans, the jury's out, but she was called up way too soon. Did her no favors. It's that these stories are tired and old and boring and juvenile and written for children. When your average Raw viewer is like 53... Isn't that what it is? Their median viewer, their average viewer is like
0: fifty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you ever want to have like a real like reckoning of oh Jesus Christ, what's going on? <laughs> like look at their average viewers. I mean, young people are not watching the show in any way, shape, or form. The re- the modern WWE fan is old as fuck. It's 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 pretty wild when it, when you look at the demographic. You're out
1: of but, touch yeah. with what young people want, and you're presenting a show for what you think young people want that old people hate, and then you wonder why you're running all of them off. You know what I mean? It's like. Rich, you're, you're you're a functioning grown adult in this shit. You laugh at it, and you don't even bother watching anymore. And it's not appealing to the young people that it's supposed to. It's just stupid, and it sucks. And That's why it's the worst match of the year.
0: Well, speaking of stupid and sucking, uh, WWE title, steel cage match, Kofi Kingston defeating Dolph Ziggler. 20 minutes is apparently the official time. I counted it, and I got 76 minutes, so I don't know what your count was, Joe, but... This was everything that's horrible, uh, horrible about WWE cage match psychology. In terms of, and, and you, anybody listening to the show knows what I feel about WWE cage matches. I, I cannot fucking stand them. The the climb out of the door, people chasing each other, trying to get out of the door. The 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 babyface you know, tri- tri- triumphantly trying to like sneak his way out of the door, you know, the door being open and a guy deciding to climb over instead of going through the door, even though it's a big move and just stuff like that. I just fucking hate these cage matches. And this one had all those dumb tropes and all the things that don't make any goddamn sense. And then also what felt like a 15 minute period where Dolph Ziggler had Kofi Kingston on the mat in a side headlock. And oh my, I have never in my life seen a more boring cage match. And And, and I even tweeted this out that like, fundamentally I don't know that there was much wrong with this match. Like, you know what I mean? in terms of like the work that was done and all that sort of stuff, like it was a quote decent match, but it was fucking terrible. It was like the worst decent match I have ever seen in my entire life. Does that make sense? Yes. Like it was fine, but it sucked. (laughs) It was just like, nothing was horrible about it. But it was terrible. <laughs> you know, it's just this weird match that I just am like, what the fuck? What was this idea? What was the plan here? And then it ends. I mean, the ending. Oh dear God. Like I know people enjoy some people enjoy the ending, but the idea that Kofi Kingston, after 20 minutes of being beaten down, just decides to jump over the top rope and land on the floor and he wins a cage match and win, and, you know, retains his title. Hey, are you kidding? <laughs> what?
1: I well, that the worst part about that is the entire match. The entire long, interminably long, excruciatingly long match was built around Dolph Ziggler taking out Kofi's leg. And then the finish is Kofi running and jumping out of the game. <laughs>
0: right. After just taking a move, too. Because the, the, what he did is that Dolph hit. I forget what he hit. I think he might have hit the zigzag or whatever the hell he hit. And the idea was, okay, well, now I can climb out of the door because Kofi is definitely done. Yeah,
1: his legs are broken. broken. He just took this big one. And then he literally just runs into a full sprint and does a flying, death-defying, athletic leap out of the cage to then just totally spit in the face of this story that they just told for 20 minutes in their interminably long, brutally boring match. Rich, I talk about it all the time. I very rarely go below two stars if I'm rating a match, as long as the work is okay and there's decent effort put in. And um, I, I really rarely go below two because I think something really has to be very, it has to be atrocious to be worse than slightly below average. It a one-star match. It was boring. Crowd was never into it at any point. And, uh, and the finish was absurd. So you can't bore people for 20 minutes and have an absurd finish like that, and this is where I'll disagree with you slightly. I don't really think it was fine. I think this was a bad match, legitimately bad match. This was two guys.
0: For the record, I went I one and a half stars with it as well, so I, I didn't love it go. either. Yeah,
1: this is two guys who there's no way they should have had a match this bad, no way. And again, this also speaks to modern WWE and 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 to and, and to some extent modern wrestling to where. The story that they chose to tell, it was very obvious that was not over with this crowd and was not going to get over with this crowd. And in another era, they could have switched gears. They could have said, listen, this isn't working. We need to start throwing each other into this fucking cage. We're athletic guys. We need to do some flashier high spots and we need to get the, but you can't do that in this system. You're locked into what you discussed with those agents. We're having this leg match, damn it. It doesn't matter. We have to tell this story. And, and that's a problem too. And again, circling back to our first topic, if these guys have absolute power, maybe someone like Paul Heyman, you think Paul Heyman is going to have the power to change something like that? Guys, call audibles if it's not working. No chance. That's why I don't buy it. That's why I don't think we'll see meaningful change because that's the kind of change I want to see. Call an audible when it's not working. Change the vernacular. Change the, the production and the way they shoot things. That's where it needs to start. You know, let alone whether someone like Paul Heyman will have the power to, to to make stars. But anyway, I don't want to get too far off. But yeah, this was horrendous. And these two guys should not have a horrendous match like this. No matter what you think. Look, I don't think Kobe Kingston's a super worker, but he's good. And Dolph, I mean, he's up and down. But you put Dolph in a cage and he takes his crazy bumps. This could have been entertaining. Why? There's no reason this couldn't have been entertaining. And why is Dolph still being booked like the baby face in this? In
0: this <laughs> and then again, you talk about the overarching psychology of Dolph Ziggler trying like hell to get Kofi Kingston's buddies from entering the ring.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. And, and, oh, it's just... It, so, yeah. An utter disaster. <laughs> and the crowd honestly responded accordingly. Yeah. And to wrap it up before we move on to the next match, uh, I don't believe... And I've said this before, and I said it after WrestleMania, and I'm, I'm, I'm about ready to take my victory lap. I don't believe that Seth or Kofi are over in any meaningful way. And I understand that Kofi Kingston gets some nice crowd reactions. And I understand that Kofi Kingston's a nice story. And I like Kofi Kingston as much as the next guy. And Seth, I know that he wor- – there's no question he works hard. We're all Duncan on this week, but he's a hard worker, and he cares and all those sorts of things. But these guys, neither one of them are over in a meaningful way. They are the champions. They are positioned in the main event of television nearly every week. They're positioned in the main events of these pay-per-views and business is cascading around them. Is it all on them? No. Okay. Was the, were the dominoes falling before they were put in these positions? Yes. Have they put their finger on the dike in any way whatsoever? No, it's gotten worse. So, I, you know, I, I, these guys are not having good title reigns from a business perspective. And if it was any other time in history, they would have moved on from these two already. The problem is, I think they're just going to hang on until Fox starts. And then, whatever, you know, I don't think these guys are long for these roles, is what I'm saying.
0: I, I don't think so either. Yeah. I think this Kofi thing, once, once, and, and I also too think that once Kofi is, like, once he loses that title, I don't think he's ever back in that picture again. Like I, I think is a guy it. who probably always hangs around yes. a little bit. And to, you know, like <laughs> Becky is somebody who I think always hangs around. I think once this Kofi run is done, he's the guy that's just never done, but ever again,
1: yeah. back to tag teams, back to mid card. That's what's going to happen. And you know, it, it's, and again, I don't, it's not obviously it's not entirely on them, but now here's the thing. I don't think Seth is a guy. And I never thought Seth was a guy. You know, that the listeners know that, um, you know so I, I don't think when i say a guy i mean a guy who can carry a company carry a brand carry that guy. i never thought he he was a, he was a guy um so you know it's it's like but but i agree with you in that they do and that he's always going to be around the top and you know because he's ever since the shield split whether it's been as a heel or a face for the most part you know and he had the tag team thing remember he did the tag team with um oh shit who was his partner
0: where um i my air boom
1: no, 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 oh. no, no, no. <laughs> no, not, not no Sorry, I thought you were talking about, talking about Seth <laughs> when they put him in the uh, the tag team there for a little while when they cycled him down out of the main events and, and they he was tag team champ. It doesn't matter. Um, but but the point here is I, I, I don't think Seth is a guy uh, that can – that will ever be a meaningful top guy. Um, I just don't see it in him. And I agree with you that um, when they finally pull the plug on Kofi, he's never getting back again.
0: All right, I did want to talk about before we move to the next match, uh, have you seen the Yoshirai Shirai-Shayna Baszler uh, NXT cage match from this week's? Rich, I watched it today, and in fact, if people want
1: to hear my thoughts on that, they can go to patreon.com slash voices wrestling. Subscribe for $5. Today's Thursday TV reviews right? Talked about it at length and uh, you want to talk about it in relation to this cage match.
0: I do. Yeah. It's just because I think, you know, and, and obviously people, have, if you've listened to that, you've, they've heard your thoughts and whatnot, but I just want to kind of give mine, you know, cause I'm somebody who I said, I, I hate, 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 hate the WWE cage match. Psychology and the entire style of a, a WWE-style cage match with the door opening and climbing over the top or whatnot. If it was just pinfalls or whatever, that's fine. Pinfalls and submissions, I'm cool with that. The idea of like people climbing out of the cage or whatnot, I just fucking hate that. And, and I thought the Kofi Dolphin was everything that's wrong with that psychology and everything that makes those matches terrible. And I thought Io and Shayna was everything that's good about the WWE cage match psychology and everything that can be done well with that, where Io Shirai, the face, is trying to keep Shayna Baszler's stupid friends from interfering Again, makes a little bit more sense than Kofi and Dolph the, the baby facing. So from that standpoint, it works. And then too, like there was a brutality to this one too. It was in a cage. It was the the only way that they thought they could settle this was via cage. Io you know, getting her, you know, the friends to not come in, and it was a little more brutal. There was a lot hotter work. The crowd was way more into it. And I thought the other parts too were really cool. Is that when eventually Shayna's goons came in they came in and 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 what they did prevented ios from coming out of the door prevented you from climbing over the top like just stuff like that that again like kind of works where the the baby face is now again sort of the odds but it's it's in a sense the way that you can kind of get behind a baby face of like all right cool like i hope she can get through this you know cancel ray comes out and tries to even the odds a little bit ultimately it doesn't quite work and and very similar finishes as well which is interesting because this one was obviously taped uh prior where Yosh will hits shayna baszler with the cage door but that causes shayna to fall into the you know, to the outside and, and retain the title, which I could see some people kind of being like, ah, it's kind of a bullshit finish. But I really enjoyed it because, again, it, it, it protected Yoshirai where she had it. Like, she should have won that match. It just didn't happen. Shayna survives another day, and, and they're kind of leaning a little bit more into her having her friends kind of help her or whatnot. But but again, I it, it, I think they've done a decent job with it, and I think Shayna's an awesome champion, so I'm into it. And then you have Yoshirai pissed off that she lost another opportunity and, and turns heel or whatnot. So I just thought everything that they did with it, Cause this was EO's ultimate chance is this cage match. She got everything in her favor. This was the perfect moment for her. And it just didn't quite work out. But I thought that match was everything that's good about WWE cage matches. Everything that's good about, you know, that style of match. And, and Dolph was the complete opposite where it's everything that's wrong with those sort of style of matches, everything that sucks about modern WWE cage matches. So I really liked it. I, I, I don't know your thoughts. I have not listened yet, but uh, I, I really did think that that was, was, was a good bit of television from uh, this week's NXT.
1: No, it was an excellent match. Um, and look, it was a TV main event. So even though it was a cage match, it was still a TV main event. Which is, I will give you a little more leeway on extra shenanigans if it's a TV match as opposed to a big pay per view match or major event. Do you know what I mean when I say that? So you know the constant presence of the. Plus, that's the the Basler story. Is the, is is her pals uh, Duke and Shafir have helped her tremendously in in holding on to the title. And then the Candice stuff running them off. And then of course the big turn at the end, which I thought came off like a million bucks. Did you did you like the oh, EO I liked turn? It. yeah?
0: I saw some people said they didn't like it. I fucking loved it, man. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. And then on the way back to the ramp, she's just speaking Japanese. I think it's a it's yeah. a nice subtle thing, too, of like, yeah, I've done your fucking English bullshit. Screw that. Fuck off. Like, I'm not doing this yeah. shit anymore. I'm pissed off and I'm gonna speak my own language and and I don't need your hugs and your backpats and all this other bullshit. No, fuck off. I loved it. I thought it was great.
1: Yeah, and I think that EO Shirai versus Candace can be an awesome feud mm-hmm. in NXT. I agree. I I, I really do, and I and I hope that they get a takeover match out of it because it's it's very rare that you'll get a non-title match on a takeover, especially with the North American title in the mix now. Because you got the tag team titles, you got the North American title, you got the women's title, you got the NXT title. That leaves room for like one match per takeover that's not a title match. So you have all of these other feuds jockeying for position every takeover cycle to get that spot, and you know. If you're asking me today, that's the match I want to get that spot. I really think that those two. Candice LeRae has been outstanding from day one in WWE. And it's not like I didn't think she'd be good, but she's even exceeded my expectations and I thought she would be good. What do you think of that?
0: No, I think it's been good, and, and, and one thing that I liked about what they've done with her is they've kind of separated her from their Gargano story, which I thought was really important. I know somebody had, on the Q&A asked me many, many months back, like, okay, well, how do, you, how do you integrate Candace to the Johnny story? And I thought, don't. I think, you know, you had the thing where she's kind of the... The hugging, supportive wife, or whatever, but I wanted that to kind of—I wanted her to be her own person on that that brand, and they've done that. They've really separated the two and let her be herself. And and yeah, she's a super sympathetic baby face. It's a great role for her uh, as well. And and yeah, I think it's going to lead to a lot of really good matches where she's just out there trying to help, like do the best. Like that's exactly what you would believe Candice LeRae in real life would do—is just try to help her friend. And EO takes that as as an opportunity of weakness and and beats her up for it. And I think it's going to make for some really good matches and a really good feud. So I think Candice has been great. I'm I'm right with you too.
1: Yeah, once the Tommaso Ciampa thing ended, it was time to split them up—the the husband and the wife—and have yes. them do their own thing. I mean, you could still acknowledge it and all that and, and nod it, nod to it, but yeah, it was time—that's it was time for that to end. And yeah, I think that feud's going to be great. But yeah, you compare these two cage matches; it's not even fucking close. I mean, the NXT cage match, blew, even just the intensity that it was worked. I mean, Shayna just brutalizing Shirai early in the match. And then, you know, talk about big spots. Candace, the high cross body off the top. Oh, the how top, good was that? That was here.
0: awesome. You know, with, with the big. You uh, know, with the top.
1: moonsault oh, yeah. right after. Yeah. And then, you know, the it was just intense and action packed and fun and made more sense and, and everything else. It just blew it away.
0: Yep. So that's that. All right. So move on to uh, Roman Reigns. Drew McIntyre and <laughs> I gotta talk about this. We promised the last half of this review is gonna be pretty good because we did. I, I'm with you. I like the first half of the show, but th- I always talk about this, and and, and I'm still fascinated. And, and maybe maybe you're listening. Maybe, maybe this is gonna strike a chord with somebody listening. But Joe, I always say this: there is somebody on Earth potentially listening to the show that sat down on their Sunday night. They they had their frozen pizza or whatever the hell they had, and they they got ready. They sat down and and they they grabbed their plate. They got their drink in hand and went. Ah, yes. Robin Reigns and Drew McIntyre. We're finally going to settle this feud. <laughs> I don't know who that person is. The person that's really like, you know, rubbing the hands together. Like, all right, let's go. Let's see what's going to happen with this. There's somebody on this universe that watched this match or got ready for this match. Or 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 when the video package was playing and they were excited about this. I don't know who that person is. If you were listening and you're one of those people, A, I'll be able to sniff it out and know you're not. So most people listen to this. I, I assume not, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is somebody. But Joe, I can't on I can't in any way assume. I, I can't even fathom that there's anybody that sat down and said, "Ah, great, <laughs> the final chapter of Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre and Shane McMahon." I cannot wait to see what's going to happen here. And then they had a 17 minute match that was boring as fuck, and I I, I hated it. What would you think? I thought this was just terrible. These two had the worst chemistry ever. They need to never wrestle each other ever again.
1: It was. Better than the WrestleMania match.
0: Well, it's not was, hard. I mean, Jesus
1: didn't say it much. It there was look, I thought the closing stretch, in the interest of attempting to be fair, even though I don't like the Shane stuff and everything, at least they got the crowd back for the closing stretch, and because they lost, they didn't have the crowd for the first half of this match. Because, like you're saying, I really don't think people are into this. Um, you know, so. But but by the end, they did have the crowd into it. And I don't know, I'd go like a generous three because of that, because it it was hot down the stretch. But, I mean, yeah, this is just a feud that isn't working. The matches aren't good. Um, They don't have good chemistry. And, you know, we're going to keep it going, but this time we're going to add in the Undertaker. Teddy, Teddy Long is the booker of uh, SmackDown. now. <laughs> we're gonna
0: have a tag match with the Undertaker. Yeah, I that's a that was a big story Monday that now just feels like nothing. is the freaking Undertaker that that all of this is going on and everything's cratering in, and and Vince McMahon throws the headset down and says, "God damn it, we need Undertaker." Back. Here, here's
1: the worst part of this. Okay, um here's the worst part: Roman Reigns wrestled Shane McMahon in redacted, and was dominated. For at least <laughs> 95% of the match before losing, right? Roman Reigns, is, is was he probably sold, what, 70% of this match to, to, to McIntyre, right? And then ne- next month, they're going to have a tag match where he's teaming with The Undertaker, okay? And Rich, there's really only one way to structure that match, and that's Roman selling the entire way for the hot tag to The Undertaker, right? Because The Undertaker can't do anything. And he's not going to sell. He's not going to take a beat down. So it's going to be Ro- it's going to be Roman Reigns in the Ricky Morton role, which he'll excel in because he- he's a tremendous – you know why Roman Reigns is so great at selling? It's all they ever have him do.
0: <laughs> he's got a lot of reps.
1: All yeah. he does is get his ass kicked. And, you know, it's like it's he's no a tremendous – yeah. yeah,
0: no wonder people don't like him. Yeah. It's no wonder he can't get over he it.
1: He can't get over it because he's always getting the shit kicked out of him. And he's, he's going to spend his third match in a row doing nothing but selling for Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. And what did I tell you? He loses to the 50 year old and he wins the match over the prime in his prime fucking genetic freak athlete who they have designs on pushing. So that's backwards too. Everything was backwards and shitty. On the second half of this show. Well,
0: what was funny about this too, and I, I know that you probably noticed this as well, is this, when this match was over, and I'm sure there was a directive to, to tell to, that Michael Cole, I'm sure he didn't do this on the cuff, because Michael Cole probably doesn't do anything on the cuff. Roman Reigns has definitively defeated Drew McIntyre and Shane McMahon and can now put this in the rear view, right? He said right. that. Yes. No more than an hour later, I think between the Kingston and, and Ziggler match, he goes... Well, we know that's not ender. Well, because they, because what it was, Drew and and, and Shane were backstage saying, "Oh, that's not the end of this." Oh no, we're gonna get back at him. And then Michael Cole has to say, "Well, we know that's not the end of this feud." (laughs) It's like what happened in that hour? It went from, "Well, this (laughs) is over," to, "No, actually, you know what? Let's have a tag match." Let's like, did Undertaker return his call? This and oh, cool, Undertaker's coming. Great. Like the idea that you needed to call the Undertaker, like just have Reigns beat these guys and move on. What are you doing?
1: Uh, Listen, I'm not Paul Heyman. I'm not the savior, Bruce Pritchard, who apparently has amazing ideas and is a fucking genius. I'm not Vince McMahon, who's the greatest promoter of all time. But Rich, isn't the proper psychology here very simple? Roman beat Shane at Redacted. Shane gets mad and says, oh, yeah, well, now you got to get through my man, Drew.
0: Right, Roman key- loses to man. Drew
1: because of Shane. Right. Right. Roman loses to Drew because of Shane. And then Roman says, "All right, Shane, I have the answer for you, my pal, the Undertaker." And then Roman and the Undertaker win the blow-off. Undertaker Tombstone Shane. Roman hits the Superman punch on Drew and pins him. Wouldn't that? Isn't that the logical ABC here?
0: Yeah, I don't know why this. Yeah, I don't know why. This Reigns isn't a hard one. McIntyre, and then we bring in the Undertaker to team with Roman Reigns against Drew McIntyre and Shane. Just because Drew McIntyre and Shane said, "Ah, we're not done with him."
1: Yeah, I don't <laughs> understand. It's like it's just all backwards. Why did Shane if Shane won the first match? Why are they still feuding? I don't know. Shane beat him up for nine for, for yeah, It's
0: over twenty minutes, he's done. minutes. Shane beat the fuck out of this guy and it's over. Yeah, he lost to a 50 year old with terrible strikes. It's over. It's done.
1: Roman should destroy the 50 year old. The 50 year old wants revenge, so he sends his fucking muscle after him. He helps the muscle cheat to win. And then Roman gets his backup and then him and the undertaker win and everybody cheers and everyone's happy. Am I the crazy one here?
0: Apparently. Yeah, I don't know. What, uh, yeah, we don't know what wrestling is anymore. <laughs> I've lost all all faith in wrestling. Good god. Oh, dear. All right, let's get to this one here. Bailey Alexa Bliss for the SmackDown Women's Title. 10 minutes. Bailey defeats Alexa Bliss. Just a nothing match, man. Nothing happened. Nothing of of note. I mean, the feud's been whatever. It's been just an odd feud too. You have the Nikki Cross involvement, and uh, just this this just didn't work. And the crowd did not care, like you said. It just they immediately died halfway through this match, and they never got them back after this.
1: I wish I could just like this is just this match is just a fart noise. That's what this match was. Just fart. Just an extended fart of a match. Two star special all the way. Alexa Bliss, who is probably still injured in some capacity because she didn't do anything, she put Bailey in a hold for eight minutes. And then, you know, then they did the Nikki spot and then they hit the finish. This was such a nothing, just nothing match. I, I can't even call it bad. I can't call it good. I'm just left to shrug my shoulders and say, well, that was something that existed and happened and was boring and it totally killed. A hot crowd. This match killed what was a hot crowd previously, and I do think that affected the heat for the other matches moving forward. It sucked all it the energy out of everybody, because yeah. yeah. it, it was so it... boring and nothing and just garbage.
0: Yeah, no, nothing. I mean, it went 10 minutes, and I, I honestly cannot even tell you Things that like there a few things happened. There was a few really rough spots. Like there was one where, where Alexa Bliss did like a sunset bomb to Bailey on the outside, which was like oh god. And then uh Bailey did a sunset bomb to Alexa Bliss in the corner, which I you know for somebody who's had like seven concussions and and they had like the 365 of Alexa Bliss afterwards talking about her issues with concussions, you might want to put that one on the back burner. The hey uh, Alexa, let's power bomb you into the corner. Uh, so you can hit the back of your head on the, on the, on the ring ropes. Like maybe let's maybe shelf that one for right now. But, uh, like you said, yeah, it was very odd because then Bailey just gets her in the ring after they do the Nikki thing and then just pins her and, and just kind of definitively. Well,
1: she went went for the twisted bliss and Bailey got the knees up. Right. That, That was, yeah. But I mean, you know, so there were, there were, there were more big spots in it than I, than I gave it credit for, I guess. But, um, just uh, to get there was just. Ugh. Alexa Bliss is a manager. Can we be honest?
0: Yeah, she's, she's not there. a very good wrestler, and it's fine. Just, These two have terrible chemistry too. And Alexa Bliss is a good character, good promo, good yeah, president, she but she's a terrible wrestler.
1: There's a place for Alexa Bliss that's not in the ring, and and I, it's like, um, it, it, she's always getting hurt. She's very small. There's nothing she can do about that. Um, a lot of times her matches are are sloppy, and I I don't know. I I don't think i th- th- there's i would employ her there's something for her to do that's that's of value but um it's not having matches like this
0: all right so let's get to the uh first half of the show which was uh pretty decent so we started with the uh or we'll start uh, the way we're doing it smackdown tag team titles uh daniel Bryan and rowan defeating heavy machinery your good friend otis and tucker 14 minutes 25 seconds for brian and rowan versus heavy machinery what'd you think of this one I liked it. I liked, I liked it a lot, lot. yeah, it was really good. Oh this is the Otis. like otis is uh, i'm I'm seeing it. like it's not it's not because of the dancing and the gyrating and the screaming, but he was a big fucking hoss in this match a few times, and I'm like, yes, there we go. That's the Otis. like I'll get behind. no matter in all of wrestling history, if you got a big beefy dude throwing people around, it's gonna get over. That that is a truism for all of wrestling through the history of pro wrestling. A big beefcake guy throwing guys around will always get over. And they 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 do it sometimes with Otis, but then they also have him gyrate and and, and scream and huff and puff and all that sort of stuff, which is Dude I can do it yeah, it's all stupid. But man, if he's just tossing guys around, I'm fucking in. Like that's that's what I want.
1: It's it's funny because I didn't come away particularly impressed with Otis. I came away impressed with Tucker Knight. Or whatever his name is. His name Tucker Knight.
0: Oh, Tucker Knight. Yeah. Well, I think it's just now Tucker, but yeah, it it, it was Tucker Knight. So right, Tucker,
1: uh, he did that moonsault to the outside, and he, he did some things that I didn't think he was physically capable of doing. Um, it, the problem with him is his look, but you know, it's like the psychology here was miss was was messed up because it's like they wanted to cheer Daniel Bryan very
0: badly. Right, hometown and, fan talking about, you know, he comes out to get heat by talking about environmental stuff, which, of course, in Washington, they're definitely going to hate, you know, a guy coming out there and, and saying, hey, let's not destroy the earth, and let's be, you know, uh, and I'm from your town, and, and I don't want to destroy the earth, and that's going to be the guy that's going to get the heat, as opposed to, yeah, it's just, again, and it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah.
1: it's, it's, for one night, you can have them, you know, because it's like, they're, they're setting up baby face comebacks, and people are booing heavy machinery, and, you know, it's like, if they're going to cheer him, just flip it for a night. You could still have them do heelish things, but just flip it, you know. And, and you know, they set up the big dramatic spot. Um, you know, uh, there were several big dramatic spots here that were designed to get uh, reactions that didn't because the fans wanted to cheer Brian and his team and boo the other team. And it's like I always think back to I went to a WCW show at the Meadowlands when I was a kid in 1990, it was either 91 or 92.
0: Oh, well, you know we're going to find the show, right?
1: No, I, yeah, it's, um, I was talking about it on Twitter with with uh, Rob Naylor and a couple other people, not a couple of days ago, because, um, oh, Mike Levy was at the show too, another listener of the show and, and guy we talked to on Twitter, and um, that's why we, we were talking about it with Naylor. And I went to this, this show when I was a kid in the middle, and I think it was 91.
0: So we got yeah we got a few in '91 and a few oh, we, oh, main event
1: main event was Flair Sting and it had uh, Luger Nikita Koloff and it had Vader uh, was on the show it had uh, I think it was Vader versus uh, Owen Hart was in the opener against the Cuban Assassin um, Vader may have wrestled Tillman um,
0: okay so I got I have a Sting I have a Sting Flair one but it doesn't it doesn't have some of the other stuff that you were saying
1: yeah at, at any rate as you're looking for it the point is. I always revert back to this to this match I saw in this show, which was Arn Anderson and Barry Windham, the horsemen at the time, two horsemen at the time, against, I don't remember if they were the wild-eyed southern boys at this point or if they were already the young pistols, but you know the tag team I'm talking about, which was uh, um, Armstrong and Smothers, right? Right. Uh, excellent team. Came from Continental and all that, and then came to WCW as the wild-eyed southern boys. And then they changed their name to the Young Pistols. So this crowd in the Meadowlands wanted nothing to do with the wild-eyed Southern boys as baby faces.
0: Which makes sense because yeah. <laughs> not gonna work. Yeah, not necessarily gonna work. the Wild-eyed southern boys and, in, in the Meadowlands in New Jersey, not it's not really yeah, yeah not at all and
1: all we wanted to do was cheer for for the horsemen. Okay, which happens to be fair in a lot of towns with the horsemen, the horsemen. You know, we're cheered in a lot of different places. And the point I'm getting to here is they worked it as such. Arn was playing to the crowd, and the crowd would explode. He hit the spine buster, okay? And then he shook the ropes like the fucking ultimate warrior, and we all stood up and went crazy. Like, and they were supposed to be the heels, but it's okay. Because we were going to cheer them that night. And then the Southern Boys, who were great workers, Tracy Smothers and Steve Armstrong, are great wrestlers they were healing it up even though they were babyfaces because why the fuck not? That's what was getting over. It was the hottest match of the night because they flipped the script on it. And he had four great workers in there who went with it. And again, in this company, WWE, that's never going to happen. They're not going to allow you to do that. And and to this day, and this was what, 28 years ago, almost 30 years ago, that's the match I remember most from that show because it was the hottest match on the show because they went with it. And, it, and, 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 and was it, it was okay. What's the end result? Did the fucking world end because these guys didn't work face heel appropriately that night? Why couldn't you do that with this dopey match with Heavy Machinery? And here's the other thing, Rich. We could have found out if Heavy Machinery could be effective heels in a scenario like that, which I think they could be. I think their only hope is a heel turn. So Otis cuts it out with the bullshit and just works with a little bit of ferocity and violence and stops doing the worm and making weird sounds because, yeah, people chuckle at that and laugh at it, but there's a ceiling there because of it. He will never get above prelims with that act. I don't care how cute you think it is. You turn that guy heel, maybe you find something in him. And maybe that team can be more than a prelim act that works one pay-per-view a year like they're doing now. But, you know, we had to work against the grain of the crowd in this match. But I did like the match regardless of all that. I thought it was a really good match. I think Daniel Bryan, um, for what they're asking him to do and be a mid Carter right now and the pin-eater for his tag team, by the way, uh, when they they lose non-title matches, he's doing excellent work.
0: So I did find the show. Unfortunately, the problem was I was looking Meadowlands Arena, but it was at that time the the, what, the Brendan Byer. I I
1: Brendan Brendan Byrne Arena. He was an old governor in New Jersey. Yeah. yeah. So
0: unfortunately, I, when I looked up East Brotherford, that then it came up. So this is April fourth, nineteen ninety one. You had it right on the money. Owen Hart, Fidel Sierra. Uh, as your opener, uh, Ricky Morton versus the Black Angel, who was uh, Luis uh, or Jose Luis Rivera, which is uh, interesting because
1: Jose Luis Rivera was a WWE job guy, of course, of course, one half of the conquistadors, yes, right? no, of course, yeah. and and, and, a, and a jobber as Jose Luis Rivera. So when WCW came to town, they used like a local guy and they put him under a mask and called the him something Black
0: else. Angel, yeah, they called him the Black Angel. Dustin Rhodes versus Sergeant, uh, Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, uh, Big Van Vader versus Larry Zabisco. Uh WCW US heavyweight title match Lex Luger versus Nikita Koloff. Lex Luger winning. Uh, the match you talked about, Arn and Barry versus the Young Pistols. They were the Young Pistols at this point. Uh, Steve Armstrong Tracy Smothers. Uh, Sid Vicious, Flying Brian. That sounds pretty awesome. Sim- Ron Simmons. Is the
1: time on there? Because I think it was a squash.
0: Uh, it says five minutes here. So it looks like Brian maybe got a little bit more.
1: Yeah, he really just beat the living shit out of it. <laughs> that
0: sounds about like yeah. Sid in 1991. Uh, Ron Simmons was just Butch Reed for five minutes and 30 seconds, which I'm sure absolutely that was a- and, that, and that
1: was that was after Doom Split. That was the big feud.
0: Oh, right. That's the, yeah, that's the Doom Blow Off. But I'm sure it sucked anyway, but maybe not. Was it hot in the arena? Do you remember?
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't remember a thing about that match, I'll be honest.
0: Uh, the main event, which is just bizarre as hell. Because I see WCW World Heavyweight title cage match. Ric Flair defeats Sting. Okay, that's pretty cool. WCW. Special referee El Giante. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> El Gigante. yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I <laughs> was El Gigante. <laughs> Giant Gonzalez, of course, the future Giant Gonzalez. Why the hell was he the special referee?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, that was when, if you, like, okay, so Flair feuded with Junkyard Dog for a while, and then the dudes with attitudes happened, and it was... Yes sting and junkyard dog and rocky king and and el Higante and all that so i think that was just you know during that time period so um you know that's how they booked el Higante to be on the show like <laughs> and he had those awful matches with flair too at one point so yeah the el Higante thing didn't work out the way that wcw planned it
0: no no and then WWE. would tried a few years later and also didn't work there but yeah, uh, hey, you got the, the big attraction there so that's a that, sh- that, that awesome. was a
1: fun yeah. show the one thing about the show is a lot of the matches were short but it was you know that was a WWF building for a long time and then WCW started coming so it was, it was it was it was it was a lot of fun to go to a WCW show since really at that time you could only see them on living in the northeast you know you only had, you only watched them on TV so it was it's really cool to go to a show, and yeah, it ended up being a really fun show.
0: All right, so move on here, uh, Ricochet defeating Samoa Joe, winning the U.S. title. Uh, what do you think of this one? I actually think probably my, f- I don't, my favorite match. Yeah, maybe my favorite match of the night. I thought this was really well worked. Uh, I was well into the- I was really into this match. I thought Ricochet played his role well. Uh, Samoa Joe. Got his little spots in there where, where it looked like, oh, shit, he's going to beat up Ricochet. But Ricochet, I think more of this was a showcase for Ricochet and, and a really good win for him. And and I hope it's a sustained, uh, sustained success for him, too, because I really, really enjoyed this. And I thought he uh, he was really good in this. Uh, but what did you think of Ricochet and Samoa Joe?
1: This was during a three-match stretch, the match preceding it and the match following it, where I thought this show was real. I was like, wow, this show is a really good show right now because those three matches were very close for me. I have them all in like the three-and-a-quarter, three-and-a-half range. Um, and yeah, look, Joe physically is shot, but what he brings to the table is aura. He still has the aura, despite the fact that he can't do a lot of things that he can do that he used to be able to do. He's gained some weight. I don't know if you've noticed. He's oh, looking
0: for get... sure. No, you can tell his his in ring work is is starting to it's starting to wane too, and, and because of it.
1: But he still has that credibility, and he still has the aura, and he still um you know a, a pro like, like the way the matches are structured i just i still enjoy watching his matches and i thought um they did a great job here and it was a simple story in this match and the ricochet comebacks looked great took a bunch of cool looking bumps in this match that uh, that you don't see. and look Ricochet's getting over uh at least in terms of crowd reaction you know um he was over. Gee, what a
0: fucking surprise. <laughs> yeah, it's like.
1: Yeah, I know, right? But I mean, <laughs> they'll find it. But listen, they did everything to try to prevent that, losing to Robert Roode on TV for no reason. Um, you know, it, it's like, you know, that didn't make any sense. But he's still finding a way to get over. And the sad part is we're both probably sitting here wondering how they're going to fuck it up. Not where do they go from here, but how do they ruin it? You know what I mean? And it's like, and it's a shame. But um, but yeah, this was, I thought, an excellent match. And um, you know, especially after Joe, from a kayfabe perspective was beating a guy like Rey mysterio in a minute over and over for ricochet to beat him it, it kind of comes off like a pretty a pretty big win for Ricochet. how about this he wins his first wwe title they kept like completely ignoring the nxt north american title
0: I, you know i thought the same thing when they, when michael cole says his first d- title in wwe and i was like ooh, okay like if i'm if i'm nxt i'm like well, you can you can address that he won a title in nxt that doesn't make this accomplishment any less but that was kind of interesting why not
1: say his first title on raw why is that like, it,
0: it was it was bizarre. It was weird wording. I, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on. He's he was definitely the uh, North American champion. I you know, I thought that was kind of odd that they they pointed that out. But uh yeah, uh pretty cool. And then of course he comes backstage and he gets a bunch of backpats from Triple H and Otis and those sort of guys or whatnot. So that was kind of interesting. They don't usually do that. So um it means obviously that they, they have some th- there's some there's some muscle behind him, at least for now, uh to get Ricochet over and try to uh, you know do something with him. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully it's not, you know he's getting over. He's getting over. I have no faith. I have zero faith either. But he's getting over, so we'll see. We'll we'll, we'll ride the wave as long as we can. Uh, All right. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn uh, defeating the New Day. Uh, This was – we talked about it in our preview, just kind of a match that happened. But I was glad it happened because, man, I really, really like this match.
1: The back half really ruled, especially the the finish where Big E did the spear through the ropes on Zayn. I love that move. Um, Only dorks and nerds say that he should stop doing it because it's awesome. Looks great. Um, And then, you know – and then it's the, the 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 first half of the match I didn't love. I it was it was putting me to sleep, but the 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 back end of the match was so good that it more than made up for it.
0: Yeah, see, I liked a lot of that. I, I thought there was a lot of hot action between these guys, and I think Sami Zayn coming back and 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 being able to sort of because th- there's been a while where he hasn't quite felt like 100 percent healthy, but this felt like he was kind of on his old. What we, we know Sami Zayn is capable of and Kevin Owens, he speaks for himself. And and Biggie and Xavier are, are great too. And Biggie, again, I will I will scream it every single month and every single week or whatever. This guy, I cannot believe that we are in 2019 at big e, and they have not figured out a way to make biggie one of the biggest stars in their company i mean he is so over so charismatic and so good in the ring too and every time he does that spear through the ropes and lands on his fucking head, and i'm just like god damn like i don't care that he does it because it's awesome but it's like man you're doing all of these and it's you're never moving up you're never progressing nothing is happening it's just i i will never ever understand the biggie thing and i know 10 15 years from now we're gonna talk about that and we're gonna look at Biggie and go, oh my god, I can't believe they didn't do more with this guy. Cause I think he's great. I think he's just so, so good. And and he was perfect here with Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn. Working neck and neck with those guys too. He's he's an incredible worker, too. So whatever. <laughs> As the day turns. Anyway, raw women's title. Becky Lynch defeating Lacey Evans. Joe, you thought this was your match of the year. You fucking love this match. Uh, I gotta have you defend this one. You were out there on Twitter talking about five stars. You, you gotta you gotta come correct to this. What what the hell is going on with you here? <sighs>
1: Nobody Am I said, misremembering nobody, a little bit? Nobody said those things, Rich. Oh, okay. Um, I do Sorry, think... Five stars. I, I do think that this was the best Lacey Evans performance that I've seen. Um, not that... I mean, see, you're going to laugh.
0: But he, I don't think not, she was... not wrong, but...
1: Okay, well, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, like yeah. I, I thought she was excellent in the match. And no, she wasn't perfect. She's green as fuck. Okay, Um, you know, Becky is screaming
0: the spots, which Lacey still fucks them up, too, which is the best, which is why I can't call her excellent is there was a many, many spots there. And there was even the the famous one that's gone around in gifts is where, you know, Becky screams back elbow (laughs) and then they, you know, they do the back elbow and then Becky jumps up to the second rope and she's going to do kind of like a kick uh, to throw Lacey back. And Lacey's nowhere near. So Becky throws a kick and, and Lacey's nowhere near. Becky jumps up again. Lacey walks up and and takes the kick and it looks like absolute shit too and then they cut to becky and becky's just got this are you fucking kidding me look on her face like god damn it like jesus christ and and i just can't get that out of my head that was a pretty problem is
1: is Lacey not always horrible she's horrible all the time
0: yeah which is not again and i'm not gonna blame her because she's got like 70 matches under under her belt or whatever it's just vince saw her and 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 fell in love and and she just had to be pushed to the main roster
1: they went out there and worked the match at a pace that I never would have tried with her. This was pure action from Bell to Bell. And yes, yeah, she messed up a couple of spots. I'm not denying that, of course she but overall, the pacing here was good. The crowd was into it. it was it was stiff. It was snug. Um, you know they, they they both of them worked real hard. And to me, I came away with this when it was over, thinking, wow, that was a pretty good opener. Despite the minor flaws, that's all. I didn't think it was some kind of great match. I didn't think it was like four stars or anything like that. And I also came away with it thinking, okay, that's this was progression for Lacey, who's usually horrible. She wasn't horrible here. I thought she was pretty good here, aside from you know the spot that you brought up there with the back elbow and and maybe one or two, but a lot of the other. You know, messy spots here were minor things that that like the casual eye is not going to pick up on. I did it. I think people were being way too hard on her because I do think that this was her best performance to date. And I, I and honestly, if we're going to assess the person, I think that should be the focus rather than um, you know the one messy spot because there because to me she looked better here than she ever has before. That's all.
0: Yeah, no, and I won't disagree with you that I, I did not like the match because I think she's pretty fucking terrible. Um, and I think there's there's everything is it, this, while this match, you like, you're right, it was worked at a very quick pace. To me, I can't get over watching her and, and and knowing in her head, like what's going on. Like she she is that type of worker where we talk about where where she, everything she's doing, you can tell she's thinking about it before she does it. It all comes across a little clunky, a little weird, a little methodical. And like you're saying, they, they went at probably a way faster pace than I would do for somebody who still wrestles like that, thinking about what the next spot is yeah. going to be and, and thinking, okay, what am I supposed to do right now? Oh, God, where am I supposed to be? Okay, what am I supposed to do? Like, you can tell, nothing is natural with Lacey right now, nothing whatsoever. But I again, I won't disagree with you that this was probably her best performance, and it was worked at a pace that, that again, like, wasn't terrible. Like, I, I'll take this. I like this match way more than I like Bailey and, and Alexa. I mean, I'll take this match a thousand times over that one. I just still think, like, it, I, I just don't think it was very good. But I'm, I'm not, you know, I was kind of joking about the five stars and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah I don't right. disagree with you again that, that this was Lacey's best performance. But if this is sort of like the okay, Lacey's figured it out, like I don't know that she's quite figured it out. I just think she was way less horrible here than she was in other matches.
1: This was a brave match layout for her.
0: For right.
1: Her, and and I and I honestly thought it was I thought it was a good match. I, I'm not going crazy about it, but I thought it was a good, like, three star match. I did. Um, you know, despite the despite the flaws. Um, Rich, the bottom line is you're just a nasty. And you know, like the other nasties, your your opinion is is uh to be disregarded. You know, she would just hand wave you with the yeah, backwards sure, hand yeah. wave. Maybe she'd bring out the money gun for you too.
0: she'd be very upset about the amount of cleaning and cooking I do in the house too. So that's uh yeah. <laughs> so just your recent uh, she had an Instagram post and I'm curious on this size. She it, it said, You knew she wasn't wifey material when she cooked the eggs before the bacon. Oh what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you do. You are supposed to cook the bacon first. Cause Absolutely, I'm Some the eggs can cook enough. I
0: hate eggs, so I, I don't care. I, yeah, no, no I wifey am. of mine is making eggs. Like that's not going to be the make or break between a wifey and uh, and a not wifey. So
1: I don't cook breakfast a ton. I don't like being awake.
0: <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I still like breakfast, to be honest. Like, oh, or no. or like my thing with breakfast is I like going places because like those dudes are way better at making pancakes and eggs and all that shit than I am. Like. I could sit there and slave over the grill or slave over the stove and do it, But I'll just go to... They, they make better pancakes than I can and they make better eggs than I will, too. So it's fine.
1: You see Aaliyah and Vanessa Bourne kind of biting off the Lacey Evans. It's kind of similar gimmicks they're doing. You notice that? They, uh, they're they feuding with Mia Yim. And mm-hmm. and they... Uh, HBIC by the way. In case you yes. Care.
0: But not... what are They They don't call her bitch. It's not head bitch in charge. What do they call her?
1: No, they don't call her bitch. It's, it's the head... Ba- head batty in charge or i think
0: that's what it is it's really bad if i remember yeah. correctly
1: um but anyway vanessa born and um and Aaliyah, who are horrible by the way oh my god um, <laughs> Aaliyah is so i will never see what people see in Aaliyah. i don't get it
0: uh i think she's nice um, to people on on twitter i think that's what a lot of people see in her so
1: but anyway they they, they they're feuding with mia yim and they uh um, they were making fun of her because they did the personality profile last week on Yim and how she grew up poor in LA and all that mm-hmm. during the riots and all that shit. And they were making fun of her for being poor and growing up poor. Cause they're doing like this, uh, I don't know, snooty gimmick, I guess. And their thing is they were calling me a Yim, a lower, like Ooh. she, she's a lower and we don't deal with lowers. Isn't that a little close to the nasties thing? Like, but at the same time, when you employ like two hundred and fifty wrestlers, aren't you? are gonna have some them. gimmicks. Yeah,
0: you're gonna have a few gimmicks that, that that have some crossovers. So yeah, that's gonna be Yeah. That's gonna be tough. I see him a little bit differently because she's more like I, I, I mean she has a stats and Belle, but I, I guess I see I see the Lacey Evans thing being less of like class, even though there is a little bit of that too, but also like a little bit more of like kind of old school. I I don't know. You're, no, you're probably. I see, right. I,
1: I see what you're. I see what you're saying. Lacey Evans is more of. I a am traditionalist. I'm a traditional Southern woman. Right. They are snooty rich people. Yes. Vanessa born and.
0: Because um, I, I don't think Lacey Evans comes across as as, as rich. She just comes no. across as a traditionalist. Who. No,
1: I could actually see her living in like a cabin.
0: Right. Right.
1: Where these two, they they're talking about shopping and how they were, you know, uh, and and how they're like they're like almost like aristocrats and they're look down on everybody. Uh, from you, I see what you're saying. There is a subtle difference there. It's it's not. You're right. It's not the same. But the nasty thing and the lower thing kind of came off very similar to me. But I don't know. Nobody cares. Nobody
0: cares. Toughest uh, <laughs> thing ever. All right. Let's get to the. Uh, do you have anything else on the, uh, the Becky uh, Lacey? Now we get got the pre-show match. Oh, yeah, and you think I didn't watch it? Of course, I'm, I'm Mr. Blue, uh, Purple Brand now. Of course I'm going to watch this. Uh, Drew Gulak defeating Tony Nice, the now even more dangerous. He had another name, too. I forget what they said. Nigel uh, brought it up at one point. Uh, uh, Drew Gulak defeats Tony Nice and Akira Tozawa, pins Akira Tozawa to become the new Cruiserweight champion. And Joe, this match fucking rocked.
1: Yeah, this is the best match on the show. Um, notebook match. And it led to the Tony Nisekira Tozawa match on this week's 205 Live. I don't know if you saw it
0: yet. I have not seen that yet. No, I have not.
1: That's a notebook match too. So that's three in a row for Tozawa. So, you know, he's on a roll. I can make a solid argument that he's the best main roster wrestler this year in the company. Because you really don't can't make an argument for many other people. Sure. So it's like Tozawa just, I mean, I've got him in my notebook five or six times, believe it or not. Because if you're watching 205 Live you know it's going to add up and then these pre-show matches on the pay-per-views always kill it um you know the one with uh, at WrestleMania with with Tommy I thought that one was a four-star match so um, there's a lot of multi-man matches which help but um but yeah this was was good and 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 it, it, they didn't have Gulak score the fall on Nice and then on this week's 205 live they are they did have Nice mention that and and that's going to be a story point moving forward they're eventually going to do a rematch on the premise that Nice was never beat for his title, and he beat Tazawa, which was the guy who did get beat for the title. So, but what about Tazawa's weird, cryptic tweets?
0: Yeah, what like all that? Yeah, I didn't know because he he wrote done, and then that got deleted, and there's there was talk that maybe his contract would be up, and then it's not up. So yeah, I don't know what what's going on with that.
1: I don't know. He was tweeting about you know three years, what three years, and then like you know 205 live highlights and. What's going to be next? And then after he loses to Nice, he tweets out the word DONE in all capital letters. Then he deletes it. So if he's still under contract, then maybe he's leaving the brand. He just did two clean jobs in a row. So maybe they're moving him to another brand, which is a death sentence for him. He'll be done. Because you saw what happened to Buddy Murphy and you saw what happened to um, uh, Cedric Alexander. I mean, you're you're finished if you get called up from the kids' table brand i mean you're done and like literally, has, like, literally
0: well, done like like you're buddy done murphy you'd never see it again. may yeah. not be a human being anymore like I, i'm not entirely positive if buddy murphy's alive or not so
1: yeah i don't know why they move these people <laughs> I don't
0: either. poor said that's like begging like oh god please put me back on to live i just like i just like wrestling <laughs> like please it's, like
1: wh- yeah wh- why do why <laughs> did they make the decision i don't know to move buddy murphy up what why I mean, they clearly had no plan or idea. And then the longer these guys are like off TV or out of, you know, line of sight, the less chance there is of doing any. Like, look, they're never pushing those guys anyway. Let's be realistic. But, you know, Mustafa Ali got called up. They immediately started using them and they put him in a top program. That's why. You know, but these guys, this is what I'm saying. You forget about, you don't use them, and then you forget about them, and then there's even less of a chance. Mustafa Ali got lucky because Daniel Bryan took a liking to him and wanted him part of the storylines. So he kind of benefited from that. We got to talk about
0: that, the Mustafa Ali video.
1: Where AJ Styles and, and Daniel Bryan, they wanted him involved. I don't even know what you're talking about.
0: You didn't see so during *Stomping Grounds*, they 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 ran a vignette that I, I'm sure Giancarlo, the guy who used to do the the Janella stuff and did the uh, uh the what what the hell am I thinking of the Bret Hart uh, recent documentary, the the Tom McGee Bret Hart documentary. They did a thing where Mustafa Ali was just basically walking around a a a, a city and like preventing people from smoking and preventing a robbery and stuff. And <laughs> you didn't see this? No. Oh my god! You saw so I'm describing, and you probably you probably think I'm absolutely nuts, right? Maybe I it, was. Maybe I, maybe it was a fever treatment. I just thought this. I think it actually occurred. But look up, like, Mustafa Ali video or whatever. But, like, during this, you may have walked away for a sec. Because it, it, it didn't start out like it was going to be a video for Mustafa Ali. Like, it started out as, like, what the hell is this? And it was him basically, like, stopping people from doing drugs and stopping people from smoking and stopping people from doing crime. And then essentially, I forget what the hook was, but it was essentially just, like, Ali, like, fights for the people or something like
1: that. So <laughs> there like, so they're ensuring that nobody thinks he's cool.
0: Yes, exactly. It was the least cool thing he's ever done. Even though he's like actually a cool dude, uh, it made me believe that some that Vince had had whatever what, what little is left of of <laughs> Vince's memory, uh, it, it ticked off that hey, this we did this thing with Fatu in 1995. Let's because like remember the make a difference Fatu, yes. where he was you yes. know going on the streets and stopping kids from doing drugs. And yeah. being totally radical and cool in that last like a year. With it was dollar. exactly that. It was like, the make do- a difference, too. It was great.
1: With the dollar store eight ball jacket. Like it wasn't <laughs> the real eight ball jacket. <laughs> right. No, but um, I, I didn't great see music
0: too. Oh my God. Okay. So I might be making this up. Like, I, I swear I saw it. Um, I you know, Definitely look it up. I, I promise I didn't make it up.
1: <laughs> maybe maybe Vince found out he used to be a cop. And now it's going to be all downhill. From oh,
0: you're right. That's what it Okay. That's actually probably what it was. He didn't. That wasn't like explicit, but yeah, you're probably right. That probably is what what, what ticked it off. Yep. Ugh, god damn it. <laughs> That's all right. Anyway, uh, cruiserweight match was very good. So there's that. Oh god, Joe. All right, so we got through stomping grounds. We got through Heyman and Bischoff. Um, I think it's time to talk AEW here. We got AW's Fighter Fest, or 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 if we're if we're still talking WWE it, and controversy and all that sort of stuff, do you want to talk about the July 13th fight for the Fall and Evolve?
1: Oh, well, I mean, look, the whole thing with that, with Evolve okay, so WWE yeah, Network
0: is people that don't know.
1: WWE Network is going to air the Evolve one hundredth uh, what is it their Tenth no tenth anniversary, right?
0: Yes, it's Evolve one thirty one, it's their tenth anniversary, even though Evolve started in January. But Evolve basically assumed all of Dragon Gate USA's history and knocked out Dragon Gate USA from their history. So essentially it is the yeah, it is the ten year anniversary.
1: Yeah, but this is what's interesting. Before WWE decided to air this thing, Gabe was pushing the Dragon Gate USA history as part of this show. Yes. They've dropped all of that verbiage, which tells you that WWE probably doesn't want to get in trouble with Gayora or Dragon Gate for using that trademark because they're no longer talking about the Dragon Gate USA aspect of it at all. It's just straight up the evolved 10th anniversary. Um, so anyway, they're going to air it on the network, and it's going to go head-to-head with Fight for the Fallen. So this is clearly a counter-programming move. Um, and I think people are being – there, there's a there's some reactions to this I don't like. Like the, the one reaction that I don't like to this is people saying, oh, well, if AEW is worried about an Evolve show, then – that's not the point. It's not the point that, it's not that AEW is concerned that they're on a level playing field with Evolve. The, the idea here is that, again, WWE has take, clearly taken notice of AEW. And they're going to continue to do these 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 things, large and small, okay, that acknowledge that AEW exists and is on some sort of level a threat. And this is one of those things. It's not about AEW fearing, they don't fear Evolve. AEW knows, and anyone with a brain knows, anyone who was interested in the AEW show before is still going to watch it now, despite the fact that it's being counter-programmed by the Evolve show. I'm going to watch both. I'm happy the Evolve show is on the network. I'm going to watch it on the video on demand after I watch the AEW show, as is everybody else who's interested in both shows. But it does speak to WWE once again acknowledging the presence of AEW and doing whatever little things they can do to try to suck attention from them or 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 uh you know be a little bit of a thorn in their side, even though this will have zero effect on the AEW show. None. None whatsoever. They will not lose a single viewer because of this move by WWE. And I, I'm happy for Gabe Sapolsky. I'm happy for the Evolve wrestlers. And it sucks for Gabe. I feel bad for Gabe. This is his big moment. He's finally getting an Evolve show on the network, and it's completely drowned out Mm -hmm. by the counter-programming controversy.
0: So, yeah, my my take on this is is somewhat similar to you in terms of this because one of the things that I saw from a lot of people as well is, is, and and Kenny Omega tweeted it out initially too, I I should say this too because this is kind of preface what I was saying, is initially when when there was announced that Evolve would be on the network, Kenny Omega tweeted out if, you know, quote if lining your pockets with blood money is okay then what's wrong with trying to undermine a charity show for victims of gun violence? I hear that healthy competition is supposed to be a good thing and yet I can't help but feel I'm going to be sick. So that was his exact tweet. It got deleted immediately with a, there was an apology tweet that came out afterwards saying like ah yeah, I didn't mean to start an argument, yada 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 or whatever and and people kind of ran with us a little bit and there was a lot of people talking about oh this is i can't believe WWE would do this and oh my god i can't believe they would you know to try to undermine a, a charity show or take you know uh, attention away from a charity that was that's supposed to be helping people and all this sort of stuff and and i get all that but at the end of the day and i don't mean to sound crass or or or, or you know out of line or whatever but WWE doesn't care that it's a charity show WWE doesn't know that it's a charity show they don't this is a a rival company is running a show on this day and we have an opportunity to counter program them. That's it. That's it. That's that's process. I mean, yeah, whatever else is involved in this charity show and what it's supposed to be for, they don't care. This is their opportunity to counter program it.
1: Yeah. I gotta be honest. I'm so disconnected to that angle of it that I didn't even think about it when I talked about it. I don't care about any of that.
0: Yeah, but well, people were going and, and people talking about, oh, this is going to ruin. You know, the charity is going to lose money because of this and all oh, sorts of stuff. I don't. I mean, you're, you're know, out of your mind because nobody that was going to donate, nobody that was going to watch, is now going to say, "Ha, you know what? And, I'm going to watch." No you know and,
1: and nobody that was going to buy a ticket is not going to, as so they could stay home and watch Evolve.
0: Exactly right. I mean, it's there's not, not a charity. single
1: person. There's not a single person who was going to watch AEW that won't now. This is just WWE trying to steal whatever amount of attention they can that day from that show. Right. That's it. And I'm not wrapped up in the, in the charity show aspect of it and thinking, cause I agree with you. I don't think they, they care whether it's a charity show or not. They would have done this either way. And I don't think, through thinking about that aspect
0: of right. So I saw a lot of people saying, "Oh, well, this is a response to it being a charity show," and I'm no, it's not. It's oh, a response it's, to it being a wrestling show that's awesome yeah. on this this day. So, so that idea that like right. they're just and, and we're not, you know, of course we're not the company that's well known for defending this company, but are defending WWE. But I mean, you're you're out of your mind if you think that they said, "Ah, these these assholes are trying to raise money. Oh, ah, we'll show them." Like it's not yeah, that no, that's it's not like, these assholes are have the audacity to to compete with us in this marketplace. And anytime <laughs> we're going to be able to compete with them, we're gonna we're gonna fight back. And that's all it is.
1: What it is is they're running a free show that day. It's gonna that's gonna have all of the wrestling headlines that day. That's what this is about. It's about AEW running a free show that's gonna have all of the headlines, and WWE wants to steal whatever little piece of that news cycle that they can that day, because we are in a war. It's a wrestling war, and it's great. Wrestling wars fucking rule. And people who are like, "Oh, we don't need this. Let's just love it." They should all no. This is awesome. I want to see people jump. Like, how exciting was it when Moxley jumped? Don't you want to see shit like that all the time? Okay? how? I mean, I want to see Cody smash thrones with sledgehammers. I want to see Mox jump. I want to see petty counter-programming. I love it all, Rich. This is fun.
0: Well, and if you like wrestling and if you like wrestlers, you should love it too. We talked about this from the moment it started. Is Everybody is going to make a shit ton more money. You think Jinder Mahal... <laughs> the new five-year deal that he has, whatever money amount that fucking five-year deal for Jinder Mahal is, you don't think that's better than it would have been if AEW didn't exist. You don't think Moxley being able to compete in, uh, in the marketplace. You don't think guys like a Mike Canellis who played it like a fucking fiddle Mike and Maria, who probably got way more money than they would ever have deserved, the revival getting the contract they're going to deserve. So the idea that like, oh, we should love and all that sort of stuff, bullshit. Like the way that everyone's going to make more money, (laughs) and the way that the wrestlers that you you, that you like are going to make more money doing what they love to do, is through this. I mean, it's it's nothing but good. It's just unbelievable. It's it's, It's, it's like there's not actual casualties that happen in this fucking war. It's exactly businesses. Like
1: it's just more exciting for you as a fan too. That's going to be an exciting day with these two shows going head to head. So, you know, and 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 that day in August were just three shows going head to head. But New Japan, AEW and the and the NXT UK show going head essentially all happening on the same day. You know, and it's like and again, I feel bad for Gabe. He didn't know any of this when he picked the date. <laughs> you know what I mean? He picked the date for his big show here, and I, I'm wondering who noticed that now they were running the same date and that they could take advantage of this and run it head to head and put it on the network. I'm wondering who picked up on that because WWE really lucked into that because this evolve date was picked. Who knows how long? When did he first start promoting this uh, 10th anniversary? Oh, God. Yeah, I can so, try to
0: find like, the emails. I get the emails. Let me let me try to – I can try to dig it in, but I'm, I'm sure it was either – It was
1: months and months ago.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, no doubt.
1: And, and, you know, it, 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 poor Gabe. He's yeah. out there. Announcing this and talking about how I've worked for this for so long, I'm proud of my crew. We're gonna, and meanwhile, everybody else is talking about you know counter programming Gabe and completely ignoring the fact that, uh, that, that Gabe finally got Evolve on the network. Which, look, here's the other thing, Rich, and this is what I'm more interested in rather than who's screwing over a charity or whatever. I don't care about any of that. What I'm more interested in is this now breaks the seal, so to speak, on WWE airing one of these affiliate promotions. And once you do it once, it's kind of like maybe it opens the door to do it more. Maybe we get all of the Evolve shows on WWE Network. Maybe we start getting progress shows on the network. Maybe we start getting back catalogs of these companies on the network. And that would be a good thing. So uh, there's that aspect to it too. and And I hope that's eventually what this leads to, where they stop sitting on the fence with that and we start getting more content on the network.
0: Uh, April 8th is the first time that I have that uh, Gabe announced. Uh, he says, uh, 10th anniversary show. It was 10 years ago this July, the Dragon at USA. Like you said, there was a lot of Dragon USA in the original. Uh, presented its first show at the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia. This could be considered the beginning of Evolve. Uh, we will celebrate the 10th anniversary with Evolve's return uh, to the, two, uh, the, the arena on July 13th. This will be the biggest event in Evolve history with several names from its history. Tickets go on sale, etix, this Monday at noon Eastern. So yeah, April 8th of this year was when he first announced it. So Yeah.
1: So, yeah, and, and look, the show is going to draw exactly what it was going to draw before, and that charity is going to get just as much money as it was going to get before. I wouldn't worry about that at all. To me, I, I, I like I said, I had completely forgotten about it until you brought it up, um, that, that people were, were wound up about that. But I, I don't think um, it's going to have any effect. So, uh, you know, I yeah, you think – People are going to stay home in droves to watch Evolve instead. That's not going to happen.
0: No, the people that were going to watch Evolve will will watch Evolve, and the people that were going to go to AEW are going to watch AEW. You're not going to skip the fight for the fallen because, you know, whatever, no matter what's on the Evolve show. And the Evolve shows look pretty good lineup. Like, I'm excited to watch both shows. But yeah, the, the idea that it's like this war ground and it's it's WWE going for the going for the the charity and taking the undercut—they don't know or care. They just see something on the schedule and, and see it. So the idea that it's still an some,
1: opportunity because they happen to be on the same date,
0: right? Yeah, and it's,
1: it's just a uh, opportunity. It, 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 It's
0: just it's bizarre, but that is what it is. So anyway, that's that story. Okay, now let's get into uh, speaking of AEW, we're getting into Fighter Fest going on this weekend. Uh, AEW's second show, obviously in conjunction with the CEO Gaming Show. Uh, this one will be on BR Live. Uh, so you want to download the BR live. Like I said, if you have not downloaded it before, I would definitely suggest trying to get it ahead of time because it's just, it's, cl- it's kind of a weird app at first. And I know it has some issue and functionality issues with, you know, connecting to TVs and whatnot. So I will just say, definitely try to get on it before to try to test it out. So you're not, you know, the day of the show or the, the night of the show, you're kind of fumbling around with it. But, uh, regardless, we have a, a preview up, uh, at voiceswrestling.com If you want to check that out, really good stuff there but uh yeah let's get into the show itself because i think and, and we talked about it a few weeks ago when we were previewing the show i think on paper i, I like the fighter fest card a lot better than i like the double or nothing card and, and double or nothing is obviously a show i loved, so i'm very excited to see what uh what, what ends up happening with fighter fest but uh before we get into the card itself uh, overall thoughts on uh on fighter fest and, and some of the build towards it
1: well i think because of double or nothing and now that they have a show under their belt and and things are rolling some of these matches have direction now and there's storylines, and, and I think that might contribute to why, on paper, it looks like a more interesting show, because uh, you know we we have some direction for this. Uh, they have some build for this Moxley Janela match, and and, uh, and 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 the company is doing a very good job with now. Now I have, uh, I'm I'm again. I'm not going to go on the same rant that went on last time, but, you know, the, the Road to videos and all that. So that's going to help build excitement, As whereas Double or Nothing, it was more of, all right, how does it look on paper? Because it wasn't really a promotion yet. But now we're a promotion and we're rolling, so there's some backstory to some of this stuff.
0: Absolutely, yeah. There's some some stuff that kind of sink your teeth into, and I think the the Road to Fighter Fest and those sort of videos have, have done a really good job with this, too. And the build, I'm excited. Like, Double or Nothing felt in a way, weirdly, like, self-contained. But like you said, now we have sort of a, a roster. We have guys that now have built up feuds, like you're saying, over Double or Nothing and then between Double or Nothing in the show. So it's, it's cool. We're starting to kind of feel like a real company again. This Double or Nothing was kind of this, like, weird shock to the system thing. This kind of – like I said, it, it felt kind of like a one-off, even though it wasn't. But now it feels like, okay, now we got some momentum here. We're building stuff. Like, you can sort of see trends, and, and you can kind of try to guess who's going to win and lose based off, you know – Yeah, history. and we can – Yeah, you give a real preview as opposed to just kind of be like, I don't know, we'll see.
1: And we could sink our teeth into the booking. Okay, this is working. This isn't. They should do this. They shouldn't do that. They should go in this direction. And that's you know that that, that's that's really uh, the essence of pro wrestling discussion. That sort of aspect of it. So yeah, I think that contributes to it. But on paper, um, it does look like an excellent show.
0: Also start with the uh, the two buy-in matches. Of course, their pre-show: uh, SCU versus Best Friends versus Private Party. Uh, this is the one that you've, if you've been on Twitter, you know the uh, the joke has been the stipulation of this match was a complete disaster. Uh, the winners earn a shot at all out for a first round buy in the World Tag Team Title Tournament. Okay, got all that?
1: So if you win, you it doesn't mean you get a first round buy. No, if you win. It means you have a future opportunity to get a first round buy if right. you win some
0: other match. Right. So you you get an opportunity to be in an opportunity to get a first round buy. Right. For an opportunity at the title.
1: So isn't this just like a first round match essentially?
0: Because no, because no, it's a buy, it's it's a playing game.
1: If you win the next, if you win your next two matches, you're in the second round. Yes. So they're fucking tournament matches, except you're not eliminated if you lose because you can be in the first round anyway. Kind of, right? So it's like okay. So
0: the someone over this. Whoever whoever was was in charge here. It's just you know,
1: it's, it's it's the two losers aren't out because the two losers could end up being in the first round, but the winner has a chance to win another match to then get into automatically into the second round. It's like – so that essentially is a tournament match at that point, except it's a tournament match where there's – where the downside – where where you can't be eliminated, but it's still – who fucking
0: – just- <laughs> It's really bad. Yeah, the problem too is like – and people are kind of doing the math is like – there's a potential chance that the team that wins this will end up wrestling more matches in the overall tournament than
1: well, – they- Absolutely will, because they're wrestling this one, right. they're wrestling the match to get the bye,
0: right. and then, so they have the one extra match. So the benefit is going to be very minimal at this point, because, like, they'll have worked five or six matches or whatever, whereas everybody else in the tournament, the ones that didn't have the first round bye, will only have, like, wrestled four. Here it is. The, the, the,
1: the, the team that ultimately gets the bye here, okay, has to win two matches to get into the second round, where everyone else only has to win one. Right. Right. Which doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> Very bizarre. <laughs> I
0: don't know why they did this, but <laughs> alas, uh, SCU best friends private party. I'm, I'm excited to see the match anyway, and and we know it has to be better than the buy in uh, or the pre show from Double or Nothing. So I hope, God, I hope so, but uh, I, I it think should it should
1: be won. noted as Kazarian and Scorpio Sky.
0: Yes, yes, of course. Daniels is, is busy. Yeah. Uh, you got Michael Nakazawa versus Alex Jellyby uh, in a hardcore match in the buy in. So uh, what are your thoughts on? Uh... Is it, it, uh, <laughs> it Jabali or Jabali? Oh, I think it is Shabiley. I think you're right.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> if you saw their match last year and you're wrapped up in, in seeing the rematch, then I guess I don't it know. is
0: certainly for their audience. There is an audience for this. It's not you and I, but there is an audience for it. So
1: it's the pre-show. Look, it,
0: it's really <sighs> a deal. It's not for us. Like we can just admit, it's not for you and I. There, there are people out there that are going to want to watch Jabailey wrestle. It's not me.
1: All right. Legitimate question. Do you think? gamers who aren't necessarily wrestling fans will watch the show just to see Jabeli.
0: Maybe. I think I think there's a possibility of that. I mean he's he's a pretty big following. Like he is the, the founder and CEO of the CEO gaming thing. Like this is all him. So I think there's there's a chance.
1: More importantly do you think his presence helps sell tickets?
0: Um I think it couldn't hurt. Right. To me this is like just Whatever, I don't care. It's in the buy. Like the thing that I love is that it's not on the main show. If it was on the main show, I'd say, "Fuck, come on, guys, what are you doing?" But it's on the and buy-in. It's harmless. It's whatever. It's going to be five minutes. Nakazawa's going to do comedy. Jabali can't do anything, <laughs> so it's it's fine. It's it's if, if it sells even ten extra tickets, it's probably worth it. You know what I mean? If it gets if it gets hundred extra eyeballs and sells ten extra tickets, it's worth it because it, it it's pretty harmless on the buy-in.
1: I so, would do it as a dark match if it were up to me.
0: Instead you're probably free. right. Yeah, you're you're probably right. But,
1: I wouldn't air it at all. I'd do it for the live crowd. Um, It's not what I want to present to my audience, especially after that horrendous pre-show for Double or Nothing. So, but I mean, this show's free, so it's not like you're trying to sell something.
0: Right, 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 right.
1: But I'd still, me, I'm doing it as a dark match. But they're, they've been looser on the silly stuff than I would be. So... I, I don't know. But anyway, we're, we're spending far too much time.
0: <laughs> Not because I wasn't in All right, so we'll get to the, uh, the the business end of the show then. We have Nyla Rose versus Riho versus Yuka Sakazaki. Uh, three-way dance between these three. I wish we could just get one-on-one, but for now, three-way. I
1: don't know anything about the Joshi um, in this match. Nyla Rose did nothing to impress me in the um, multi-woman match on Double or Nothing. So to me, this, for me personally, this is a show-me match because – um, you know, I'm I'm kind of a blank slate on everybody involved, um, so I don't know what to expect. I'll assume that the Joshi are good. We'll see.
0: Yeah, they were both good in the tag match um, at Double or Nothing. Uh, Wait, these were on the yes, yes. Ball yeah, ball. yeah. I forget which side. Um, like I said, we're we're unfortunately kind of Joshi uh, idiots. I, know,
1: I hope these, neither one of these are the are the uh, Freddie Mercury impersonator, are they? Because I couldn't stand her.
0: I don't think so. That I one I right. I'm trying to figure out the best way to uh, I think Sakazaki was in the, the big like, I want to say kind of like bell bottoms.
1: Here's the thing no matter what you say, I'm not going to
0: remember. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it, it, me describing it is probably not going to help uh, then Rio was one of the badasses, I think. So um,
1: okay, all right, well, all right. I guess they're good then. I don't know. I didn't. Really I, I
0: remember them being pretty good in the, in, in the matches they are. But Nyla Rose, this is for me that more so than than, than whatever happens with Rio and, and Sakazaki. To me, I'm looking at Nyla Rose and saying, okay, the, the we, we kind of cut you off at the, at the knees with with the awesome Kong thing. Now is your opportunity to be the monster. You know, both of these girls, she can toss around and and, and go nuts with and and do all that sort of stuff. And that's what I'm really interested to see is, like, this is a great opportunity to to, to right all the wrongs from Double or Nothing, which was her just getting completely undermined by Awesome Kong. This is an opportunity to say, okay, no, Nyla Rose is somebody we are going to push, and we're going to push her as a monster. I think it would be awesome to see her go out there and do that.
1: they're They're not doing her any favors. I mean, can we get a singles match where she just kills somebody?
0: Right, exactly.
1: So, I don't know.
0: All right, to move on to a match that I know you and I are both anticipating. I know Christopher Daniels is definitely anticipating it. It is Christopher Daniels versus Shima. Yeah.
1: Gonna yeah. be awesome.
0: Gonna be great. I mean, yeah, we know that Daniels, he even on, on one of the videos was talking about how much, you know, Shima inspired him and 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 you know, he looked up to him or whatnot. And, and and Shima can still go with the best of them. And man, I cannot wait for this match. It's just gonna be great. You know it's gonna be great. There's no chance this match isn't gonna be good.
1: No, yeah. I mean, you know, um, Maybe my most anticipated match on the show.
0: Oh, for sure, mine. I, I think definitely mine. And, and a big reason why I think that I think that this card is is even a little bit better than Double or Nothing is something like this. And that's not to say I didn't like the SCU, uh yeah. versus Strong Hearts one from 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 Double or Nothing. But the idea that we get Shima in a singles match and Daniels in a singles match. I mean, that's just like to me, it's it's. You know, the, the term dream match gets thrown out a bunch of times, but, like, when I'm talking about two dudes that just fit perfectly, Daniels and Shima, and you saw it even at, at Double or Nothing, too, when they faced off with each other, and the crowd knew it, too, that this was important, and those guys knew it was important, and those guys really nipped it up, and it was like, all right, cool, this is going to rule, and I can't wait for this to happen, so so I, I really cannot wait for this match. Uh, one that, uh, eh, maybe I could probably skip, but uh, we'll see what happens here. Hangman Page, MJF, Jimmy Havoc, and Jungle Boy. It's uh, quite the mishmash of people who's ever kind of left on the card uh, we, we, you and I all know that Hangman Page is winning this because they have to kind of build him up for his uh, title match. But it's largely kind of a, hey, who else is on the show? Let's kind of throw them all together type match.
1: Well, I don't know. It was built off the Bret Hart angle. Sure. That all these guys were involved in. So it's not like there was it's, – it's, it's just a completely – They
0: tried. Yeah, they, they tried to build it at least. Like we know that it's just kind of a, hey, who else is left on the card thing, but at least they gave it some thought before they just put it on there.
1: Here's my problem with it, okay? There's three baby faces and one heel. In this four-way match. They should have done a tag. Why not do. Hangman Page and either Havoc or Jungle Boy. Against MJF and another heel. I really don't understand the four-way with three baby faces. So. That's why to me it's kind of a weird match. Um, but. You know. I, I, it, it's again. Page has to win. If you do a tag then Paige's partner could potentially take a fall. And it's less predictable too. So I don't know. I would have done a tag match.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree. I I think, like you said, they they did an effort to try to make it built and 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 give it a a story but i thought it was a little clunky uh the way it kind of came together and i think the match itself the the dynamics of it are a little clunky and and yeah there's no doubt who the winner is going to be and i hope it's just not a lot of like three dudes beating up an mjf because i think what what i'm doing right now hangman page is my guy he's about to go face chris jericho at all out which could be one of you know a huge tentpole event for AEW. like this is I have this guy. I wouldn't have him in, in any sort of comedy stuff. I wouldn't have any other bullshit. I just want hangman page to just definitively beat people on the path there. So I would have loved to have just seen hangman page versus MJF or whatever. You, you know what I mean? The Lord, hangman page just beats him and just, show because I, I just feel like he's gonna be doing too much sort of silly stuff in this match. I, I think and I don't know if that's gonna be true, but it's just I, I just don't want him involved with any other I want him like on the trajectory of this is one of our top guys and, and just building momentum and building momentum. He's gonna get the win here, but I just think some of the ways they're gonna go about it might be a little clunky and weird. But
1: we'll see. The battle royal and this match all screams to me that Pox Visa issue totally screwed up everything they were going to do with hangman page. And now they're just flying by the seat of their pants with him because this couldn't have been their plan to build up their future number one. Baby oh, family.
0: God, no. Yeah, of course not.
1: Winning the Geek Battle Royal and then being in this four-way. It all got thrown out the door with Pox visa. And I'm sorry. It's a visa issue. OK?
0: No, I it's creative. Come on.
1: <laughs> I can't confirm it. I don't know it for a fact. But let's be honest. That's a visa issue. I mean, let's stop being stupid. You
0: don't think they would have said, hey, Pac, what do you want to do, man? All right, whatever, dude. <laughs> Fine, we'll change things. No, it's obvious why he hasn't touched foot in America
1: in a while. Yeah. So, so um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's it's a weird way to kind of build up page.
0: Uh, all right, it's a match that I am really looking forward to just because I, I don't – I have a little trouble predicting a winner maybe. I mean, it's got to be uh, – so it's Cody and Darby Allen. I feel like Cody cannot lose after you know sort of doing everything that he did with 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 Dustin and and getting the big win over Dustin and that sort of stuff. Like so, I, I assume Cody can't lose. But Darby Allen debuting, I mean, he's a guy that you can beat like a drum anyway, like both literally and <laughs> figuratively, uh, beat like a drum. Darby Allen, but I, you know, for a debut, I would like him to have a pretty. Good, you know, showing and 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 maybe get a win, but I think there's uh, there's some potential in this match. I think it'll be pretty fun. I mean, Darby Allen's a guy who is going to bump like crazy and do everything he can, and it's a, it's an interesting match for Cody too. We talk about Cody sort of rising to the occasion of those big time matches, the big featured matches, ones that he can kind of sink his teeth into. Matches like the all this and and the one against Dustin and that sort of stuff. This is a completely different opponent for him. This is a guy who. In some ways, it's a little bit more of your kind of indie, your PWG, your super indie type of guy. And Cody doesn't always deliver against those guys. So I'm very, very curious here how the reaction is going to be, how he's going to wrestle, the style of match, what's going to kind of happen here. So, like, I, I don't know, like, anticipation level. I, I don't, it, it's hard to describe. It's just, like, I'm fascinated to see what the dynamics of this match are, fully understanding that this could either be really, really good, or it could also have the potential to be pretty bad, too. I, I, I don't know what to kind of, I, I don't have a good read for this match.
1: Darby doesn't have to win. He never has to win. He's a guy that could lose every match. It doesn't matter. So, and he's not going to beat Cody. And you could especially lose to Cody. You know, he's the top guy in the company. And um, no, I do think it'll be good. I think the thing with AEW is unlike WWE, they're not they don't operate under the pretense that they're introducing you to these people. They know that you know who Darby Allen is. Sure, okay. You, you know what I mean when I say it's like so I don't think. I think it, it's a different kind of mindset. They're not—they're not pretending that they're introducing you to some brand new human being that you've never heard of before. You know, they're kind of treating you, the viewer, with the idea that you know, you know what's going on and you know who these people are. Plus, I don't think Darby ever has to win. He can stay over. He can, you know, he can lose all of his matches and stay over. That's just the, the, the kind of charisma that he has. So I think Cody will win, and I think it will be
0: good. All right, uh, this match. Um, Daniel Zuchima is probably number one. This is very, very close, like a 1B here. John Moxley versus Joey Janela. These guys are maniacs. God only knows what these guys are going to do. I don't know how it's going to work in terms of the CEO thing, because like, if given to their own devices, like this would just be a, a, a fucking bloodbath. Uh, death match, probably style, because I'm sure Moxley's itching to do that stuff again. And we know Joey Janelle is a, a maniac. I don't know what the dynamics are going to be with the CEO game show. I'm not sure what you're allowed to do or or whatnot. But uh, regardless of what happens, I'm excited as hell. Moxley's inspired, and I think Janelle is a great opponent for him too. And we know Janelle knows that this is a huge opportunity for him too. I can't wait to see what these guys have under their sleeve. I, I, it's just, I, it's gonna be nuts.
1: It's almost like Moxley versus himself ten years ago.
0: Right. (laughs) Proto. Yeah. Proto Moxley. Yeah.
1: Yeah, It's kind of have a similar feel um, to where Moxley was at the same point in his career. But uh, yeah, it's a real interesting match and Moxley still has the buzz and it hasn't worn off. And I'm wondering if after watching him, you know, for 17 straight nights or whatever it is in a G1, if some of that will wear off or if he'll retain that buzz. So but but he definitely still has it now. And um you know he's gonna come off like a superstar. And yeah, it is a huge match for Janella. And I and he knows that and he's not one who's who's risk averse. She knows he's gonna do something stupid. And you know, Moxley's not gonna be the one to talk him out of it. <laughs> no, definitely not. So, you know, um yeah, real interesting match.
0: All right, and then we have the main events, Presume main events. I'm not sure exactly what the structure of the show is going to be, but Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid. If uh, you don't know who Laredo Kid is, uh, voicewrestling.com, We have a great article by the Cubs fan, luchablog.com, uh, a little bit about the history of Laredo Kid, uh, where he was supposed to be, where it didn't quite work out for him, and now where he's kind of at now in the world. And, and this is no doubt the biggest opportunity of his entire career and and a really good chance for him to just jump onto the scene and, and and really become something. So I'm I'm excited to see it for him. Uh, and again, I'm excited to see, cause we know Kenny Omega, the bucks and the Lucha brothers are going to make magic happen. Uh, and it's a huge moment for Laredo kid too. So I'm, I'm excited to check this one out.
1: Yeah. I, Laredo kid is having an awesome year and a legitimate wrestler of the year contender. If you're paying any attention to what he's doing down in triple a and um, he's got my three top Lucha matches of the year, in fact. I haven't watched a ton of CMLL yet, but the um, you know, Laredo kids having a great year. And we all know what the other people here can do. And we all know that the Young Bucks and the Lucha brothers um, have good chemistry together. And, uh, you know, Kenny Omega, of course. It, it, this, this is just a really hot looking six man tag on paper. And, um, I do think it should close the show unless they have a big angle planned for one of the other matches, uh, aftermath, then this, this should close the show. Plus it's Kenny's deal. This is his show too. So, um, I would suspect that he's going on last. So I do think this will close.
0: Yeah. And that's exactly why I thought this would be the main event because like, yeah, this is, like you said, it's Kenny's deal. It's Kenny's sort of baby in a lot of ways. So yeah, it, 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 it. Yeah, this should be the closer too, and I think like, those guys are the presumed kind of main inventors, uh, your Megas and your Box and whatnot. So yeah, I think that's the right call, and, and and yeah, I'm super excited to see it. So
1: Kenny will pin the uh, pin Laredo Kid, and uh, maybe AAA will get mad because their cruiserweight title will be besmirched. What do you think?
0: <laughs> right, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> Kenny, Kenny will beat. Laredo kid, and then he'll it's off to go play Primal Rage or whatever the hell he's gonna
0: do. I don't think Primal Rage is one of the games being played at this. Why not? I, I can't confirm that. Um, maybe you can add it. I mean, we, 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 we've we talked to Jabaly before, aren't you? Are you good at Primal Rage? We can maybe get that added. You can no, fly Primal down there. Rage.
1: why would they play Primal as a fighting game? Uh,
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Convention,
1: right? Don't I don't think
0: Primal that Rage? many people are still playing Primal Rage, but uh, I could be wrong. There could still be an underground kind of Primal Rage. Uh, all right, so we got MK... I'm looking at the... Uh, oh, I'm trying to see if I know all these logos. All right, I don't know every single one of them. I'm officially uh, now old. Okay, we have um, Mortal Kombat... Uh, we have Tekken, a Tekken World Tour. These
1: are all just as old as Primal Rage.
0: Well, they have new. It's not. They're not playing Mortal Kombat One, Joe. They're playing Mortal Kombat Eleven, the new one. They're playing the newest Tekken. They're playing the newest Super Smash Brothers.
1: They should play, uh, you know, Tekken Tag Tournament. They got Tekken <laughs> Tag Tournament there.
0: It's a good I, game. You're not wrong. I, they need. To, I, I don't know if they have like a little side room for us uh, old folks that we can uh, we can go and play. You
1: ever open up the mini bowling game on Tekken Tag Tournament? You I, no, play. I
0: I was never a big Tekken guy, so I, yeah, I never.
1: They, they, got little, they got a little Easter egg. I forget how you do it. You put a code in or where or you.
0: Oh, I'm looking at. I have played this before, and it rules. Yeah, it's actually pretty awesome. What,
1: Tekken Tag tournament?
0: No, the uh, the no, I know about Tekken Tag. Yeah, the, uh, the bowling game, the bowling mini game, or whatever. Bowling
1: mini game in Tekken Tag tournament. Yes, yeah. Where each of the Tekken fighters had their own bowling style too, so it was strategic. Yeah, it was, yeah, you know. So I, remember, I remember being
0: the panda, and that would be pretty funny. I uh, forget the panda's name, but. Uh...
1: It might have just been Panda.
0: <laughs> they weren't very inventive, uh, but uh, yeah, it looks like it looks like Primal Rage will not be there, Joe. So unfortunately, your Primal right. Rage skills will have to wait for another day. So well, I
1: wasn't gonna play, but I'm just saying. I figured fighting game tournament. Maybe they'd have Primal Rage or Tech Tag <laughs> tournament or Capcom versus SNK or something. You they know? might
0: still play that one. That one they might still be playing. I, I like again. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not in on the uh, the video game. Uh, or at least, especially the fighting video game uh, universe anymore, but they, they might still be playing Capcom versus uh, SNK. This is right? all
1: fighting games? Can you play, like, Double Dragon?
0: What's no, it? I think I think this is all fighting games for this one. I think you can go to other conventions and, and play, you know, Battletoads and Double Dragon, but this is not that one, unfortunately, so.
1: Okay. Streets uh, playing... of Rage? Streets of Rage?
0: I don't see any Streets of Rage Double on here. Double
1: Dragon knockoff, right?
0: Ooh, I don't know. I mean, it definitely is a knockoff, but I like Streets of Rage, so. It's
1: alright,
0: yeah. What do you mean alright? Get out of here.
1: Streets of was I, I mean, you know, Double Dragon, the original, you know, generation before, but you know what sucked? But people's Altered Beast was such a bad
0: game. Altered Beast stunk. Yeah. We only played it because we thought it was hilarious of how bad it was. But yeah, that was like, that was like Sega's ace in the hole, too. You before, played it because
1: you know why you played it? You played it because it came with the Master System. <laughs> exactly. That's why you played it.
0: I no was like it. laughing at the wise Fumio wave, and like, whirl, whirl, whirl. like the music was really yeah. terrible, too. So we always kind of enjoyed Yeah. But it was like a shitty, like terrible Golden Axe ripoff <laughs> that didn't quite work. Golden
1: Axe rules.
0: Golden Axe rules. I'm saying, yeah, a shitty Golden Axe ripoff. Golden Alter Axe. Beast. I mean, the controls
1: were clunky. It was slow as shit. It's just a bad game.
0: You could take over that little dinosaur lizard thing and and whip your tail at people though. That was kind of cool. But other than that, it was pretty shitty. So.
1: I never got far enough. I didn't bother. Wait, didn't you start <laughs> with the dude that turned into a werewolf? Right? Uh, well, yeah,
0: everybody did. They all turned into werewolves. Oh, okay. When they died, they turn into werewolves. Yes. Yeah, right. Spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't played Altered Beast yet. Okay, anyway. let's Came get. Came out in 1988. <laughs> right, I think. Well, you never know, man. You never know. Yeah. People get upset about shit. Um, all right, we're going to finish off. Final topic here. We got through it all. It's pretty good. I'm, I'm proud of us here. Uh, New Japan's Southern Showdown. Two shows in Australia uh, just before the G1. I should mention before we get into this too, uh, the G1 Pick'em. If you've not joined yet, voiceofwrestling.com slash G1 Pick'em. Reminder that a show is happening next week. So you do not have another week. You have the show in Dallas, and once that starts, we are locking ballots. You cannot enter after that first show. People always try to do that. You cannot enter after the first show. You can't enter after the third show and you especially can't enter after the eighth show like somebody tried to do in best of the super juniors you can't do that you can enter before the first show so anyway uh voice slash g1 Pick'em or if you go to voice wrestling.com you will find it in the top right it says join our g1 Pick'em game and all the details are right there in terms of prizes cheat seat, uh, cheap cheats all that other good stuff is up there but i should mention yeah if you have not done that yet Ah, uh, you're running out of time, so definitely join in. It is free to join. All you have to do is pick each and every match of the G1, predict it, and you'll have a chance at winning some good good prizes. And we got some coupon codes too uh, from our prize sponsors too. So yeah, a lot of good stuff there. VoiceWrestling.com slash G1 Pick'em is how you're gonna want to join that. Anyway, okay. Southern Showdown, again, preview up at voicewrestling.com if you want to check that out. Uh, two shows, Melbourne and Sydney. Uh, one is, is significantly better than the other, Melbourne. Uh, this is going to air live uh, as an iPay-per-view pay- on Fight TV, which is is the dynamics of this are a little weird. So it's going to air as an iPay-per-view on Fight TV, uh, 5 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday morning, and then uploaded to New Japan World 72 hours after that event. So if you're just a New Japan World guy, you're going to have to wait 72 hours after the event. If you want to watch it live or you want to watch it immediately, fight TV as an per review only. So a little bit of weird dynamics there, but that's the way to do it. Uh, we don't know anything about the Sydney show. The Sydney show is not streaming as far as I know. Uh, and I assume it will be uploaded to new Japan world, but I can't confirm that either. Most of this is looking at that first show in Melbourne. And that's what we're going to talk about first, uh, before we get to the Sydney show, but uh, overall thoughts on the Southern showdowns, we talked a little bit about these a few weeks ago, but uh, it's pretty interesting cards. I think they actually came together pretty well.
1: I agree as suspected. Um, God is going to – that's now a title defense against Juice Robinson and Mikey Nichols because Robinson and Nichols won the first match at uh, Kazuna Road, uh, which was not a good show, entirely skippable.
0: Yeah, we're not going to talk about that show because you basically said this show sucks, don't watch it, so I didn't watch it.
1: Yeah, it was a very boring show, very dry show, Uh, the least interesting uh, New Japan World show since they were. Remember when they used to air all like the random house shows with all the six man tags? Yeah, that was bad,
0: (laughs) and we felt compelled to review everyone and talk about everyone. That was bad. Those were bad times.
1: It was as bad as one of those shows where it was just there's nothing going on. But anyway, that's how they earned the title shot here, and we knew that was going to happen. You know, Mikey Nichols and his neck in the woods. It's just, it was screaming, okay, they're going to turn that into a title match. Same thing with Phantasmo. He's going to defend the um, Rep Pro British Cruiserweight title against Rocky Romero since he survived his match with Taguchi, which Rich, by the way, was every bit as bad as the four bad matches from Stomping Grounds. Horrendously long and boring match. Yeah, I,
0: the gifts alone were boring me to tears, so I cannot imagine watching the entire thing.
1: Oh, it was so bad. It was like Taguchi's stick stretched out to 25 minutes and just the crowd didn't care. Awful match between Taguchi and Phantasmo. But um, again, I'd probably go below two stars on that one too. It was just, it bored the shit out of me. Phantasmo uh, won though. So his match against Rocky Romero uh, is now, I remember the match they had at, 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 at uh, Super Juniors, which was um, which was tremendous. But uh, that is now for the RevPro uh, Cruiserweight title. So two of the matches got turned into title matches. And it is a very interesting card.
0: All right. So we'll start uh, at the top here. You got Okada and Tanahashi versus Jay White and Bad Luck Folly. So a pretty uh, pretty interesting match there with uh, Tanahashi and Okada. Anytime Tanahashi and Okada team. Yeah. It's a monumental moment, uh, particularly against Jay White and Bad Luck Folly. So uh Folly's gonna be potentially over like create. I mean, this is kind of his region, so I'm very curious if he delivers a little bit more than he would in at a normal Japan show. Effort show in America. Yeah, effort-wise and 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 crowd excitement wise. Like I, I just yeah, I hope we get more out of Bad Luck Folly here. And I think in the main event spot, I, it's, it's tough to say that with him because he's such a fucking drizzling shit these last few years. But, God, I hope this is – if there's any show where he's going to try to deliver, it's going to be this one. And if he doesn't deliver here, we'll know he's absolutely toast forever.
1: The guy I question is Tanahashi. Is he going to put in effort
0: on a show no. like No, <laughs> absolutely not.
1: You know, so um, there's a lot of question marks with that match. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it'll be a good match, but I'm not expecting a great match, now.
0: No, no and, and it's not going to need to be a great match because this one definitely will be uh, Will Ospreay defending the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship against Robbie Eagles. I mean, this is going to be insane. Uh, we have, as I said, we did the previews uh, up at Voice Wrestling. Again, Scorpio Corp, who uh, is in Australia and knows the scene better than anybody, did the review, and, and or the preview, I should say, uh, and talked a lot about the history of these guys, including links to the past matches, if you want to check them out. We've talked about them lot on the show but if you have not seen the feud between these two if not followed it definitely read that definitely watch the videos because there's a lot behind this robbie eagles is gonna be over like a a, a fucking ma- i mean he's gonna be a god there and will osprey loves working with robbie eagles too so i have no doubt this is a gonna be a great match the crowd's gonna be hot and and i'm i'm fascinated to see is there what's the percent chance that robbie eagles comes away as the champion here <sighs> think about it i mean would it be wild i i don't know that it would be that wild to have it
1: Well, the theory would be you get the title off of Will in front of the G1 so that the champ isn't doing a bunch of jobs. But I don't get the sense that they're going to do that here. I think they want Will Ospreay to be the junior champion in that G1. And, um, you know, if you were going to do this, why even have him beat Dragon Lee? So, no, I don't think there's much of a chance at all. And here's the other reason why, too. This will be their fourth match, their third one in Australia. And remember... The two PWA matches are part of the canon here, are part of the New Japan canon. They've made them part of the canon. They wrestled in 2017, and Will beat them. That was the match that put Robbie Eagles on the worldwide map. It was a match of the year contender, had more people seen it. They had the rematch a year later at Call to Arms 2018, and that was the match that, uh, that Eagles won. Okay, And that was the match where Will ripped off the Japanese flag from his from his tights and handed it to Eagles, symbolically saying, you've earned your way into New Japan. Right. Okay. So then Eagles comes to New Japan. Eagle They face each other again at best of the Super Juniors. Eagles wins. That's the match where Fantasmo got involved and Eagles begrudgingly took the victory.
0: Yeah, he, didn't want, he didn't want Fantasmo. He wanted to beat him one-on-one and Fantasmo yes. got in there anyway. He took it, but he didn't love it.
1: He was uncomfortable with it, but he took the win. So Eagles is up 2-1. Okay. So Osprey's going to win. He's not going to go up 3-1 and take his title. And he won the last one in Australia. So they're going to go 2-2 here. Will is going to win the match. He's going to retain the title. The only question here is how great is the match going to be? All three of their matches were great. The first two, the two PWA matches, Call to Arms 2017, Call to Arms 2018, were legitimate, high-level, match-of-the-year caliber matches that just not enough people saw. They were awesome matches. The Super Junior match, that told a story at the end, but it was still a great match. I still think I went like four and a half or something on it. Tremendous match, which told a tremendous story, which is setting up the long-term Robbie Eagles face turn. I still think Osprey moves up the heavyweight and Robbie Eagles becomes the Chaos Jr. I think that's the end game here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a great match. Easily uh, my most anticipated match on the show. These two guys have unreal chemistry, and they're going to blow it out. And if you have a chance before you watch this show to go watch the two PWA matches, I think one is free on YouTube and the other you got to pay for. Go out of your way to watch both of them. They might even both be free at this
0: point. Yeah, I, I think cool. they, I, I want to say they both are. Don't don't quote me on that. I, I can try to click around, but I know they did. Uh, they did some hype videos too, if you want to watch. Uh, they've definitely done a lot of promotion with this thing. They understand how big of a moment it is. And 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 regardless of if Robbie ends up winning or, or, or not, uh, it's still a huge moment for him too. It's going to be the 7 main event of, of a big time show in australia i mean like it, it, it's big it's it's a huge huge match and they're treating it as such too so it's yeah. uh yeah plenty of stuff there if you get a chance yeah watch them and, and we have links uh again i'm trying to click around to see what's free and what's not but we do have links to all the uh all the hype videos and and, and the prior matches as well so uh you'll, you could definitely uh prep uh all before let me see this so they have uh, yeah I, I don't know if they're both free yet no i know the one is definitely free but
1: but they're out there if you want to watch
0: exactly it's not hard to find so you can definitely do it uh, anyway, we'll move on here. Uh, tag team titles, Tamatonga Tangaloa defending against Juice Robinson and Mikey Nichols. So, again, Mikey Nichols getting a title shot here. Uh, he has not obviously had a great run in New Japan, but he will he's local and, and this will be a big moment for him, too.
1: Yeah, we already talked about it. So they won the, the, the non-title match earlier on the tour, which now turns this one into a title match.
0: Absolutely. Something nice and easy there. Uh, Rev Pro British Cruiserweight Champion, El Fantasmo defending against Rocky Romero.
1: Yeah, hopefully it's just better than the awful Taguchi match. Um, I don't think there's any reason why it wouldn't be. And Phantasma will get his win back here. He's not losing the title to Rocky. Reborn.
0: God, no, no, no. But uh, should be a pretty good match. And, and we know yeah, that Rocky is, is, is has had a good little run and, and and should be well pretty over in this crowd too. And I, I'm really excited about this crowd too because they're 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 not people that you know. Melbourne doesn't get a whole lot of gigantic uh, you know shows, and, and it feels like there's a big sort of palpable buzz going on uh, in the area too for this. So it should be pretty cool. Uh, see what the crowd does. Ishi and Yoshihashi versus Yujiro and Chase Owens. It's kind of a nothing match. We really have to, I you know.
1: It's 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 New Day versus um, you know, <laughs> Kevin <laughs> Owens and Sami Zayn. It's a tag match on the prelims that's happening.
0: That is and, happening, yes.
1: And hopefully it'll be good. It could be good.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Toru Yano, Show and Yo versus Taiji Shimori Gato, and Gino, Mister Juicy Gambino.
1: Look, Gino Gambino, Bullet Club member, finally getting to wrestle with his Bullet Club. <laughs> is
0: funny. this the first time? He got a t-shirt like two and a half years ago. <laughs> I don't know. if that's I happened.
1: believe. Okay. On the last <laughs> Australia tour is where he became a Bullet Club member. And I think the only match in New Japan that he's wrestled as a member of Bullet Club was the Rambo. So this will be the first time he's actually teaming, I think. With his Bullet Club stablemates,
0: yeah. So, okay, so so I, I'm I'm going back. Here. Okay, so now the so he officially became a Bullet Club member. November of 2017 was when yeah. Fale gave him a a, a Bullet Club shirt. Yeah. Uh, August of 2018, he uh, plea uh, he gave his allegiance to the firing squad, <laughs> which was good
1: it's a little a subset of the bullet yeah club. you need to
0: you need to declare which part uh he's with and yeah. i can't find out matches that he's had before but so he's uh, not
1: he's bullet club black and white
0: <laughs> exactly right <laughs> As <opposed to> the, <laughs> yeah
1: he's 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 with vincent and scott norton
0: right basically. yeah <laughs> stevie ray yeah,
1: yeah. But uh, but yeah, he'll be you know he's in some tags here, and he's a pretty good commentator when he does. the he's English a great comedy.
0: comment. I really like him. I like him yeah. a lot as a commentator. Oh, he was in the. I, I forgot he was in the Rambo in 2018. So I, guess yeah, I said that. that. Cool. Oh, that's right. Okay, so I guess that was his only. <laughs> yeah, the Rambo was his only. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, whatever. Better late than never. But no, he's a good commentator. I liked him. It was the first night you could tell he was a little weird and and, and hadn't yeah. quite on his footing yet but by a few nights in he was in and he and he was really really good i thought he added a lot to the commentary i like his voice too nice and deep voice too
1: yeah he's got a good voice for it too i think that i think that might be his future
0: yeah he's not yeah no, I, well i don't want to slander the uh
1: mr juicy but you know, i've seen some of his match he's okay
0: but he's i mean fine. I, he's fine but he's a better commentator than he is a wrestler so yeah uh, Slex versus Aaron Solo. So, this is a really interesting match here because Aaron Solo, Joe, you, you've talked about him for, for many, many, many years. Of course, half of Extra Talented, uh, the Ricky Starks. Uh, you're probably wondering what the hell is Aaron Solo doing on this, but he's actually been in Australia training to try to you know refine his 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 career a little bit and this is a big moment for him too to be on like a major new Japan show he's on the roster too and he's against Slex who's a guy who's a pretty big deal in Australia as well so I'm 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 pretty interested to see this a great opportunity for both these guys
1: I didn't know this when we first talked about it but he's trained with Tony Kazina Aaron Solo I didn't know that so that's the connection remember we were trying to figure it out like how the fuck this is random
0: right right yeah yeah yeah
1: but he's got training history with Tony Kazina so there you go and um You know, Aaron Solo, of course, like you said, the extra talented tag team for whatever reason, American promotions just haven't picked up on those guys. But here we got Aaron Solo working New Japan. We got Ricky Starks working DDT. So, I mean, you know, they're making their way in Japan instead, which is fine. I mean, those are two quality promotions uh, to hook up with. Slex, uh, this is a guy that New Japan should definitely look into using moving forward. He's got a great look. He already had a great match under his belt with Okada. Couple years ago in Australia. And uh, he's a guy who I would say, if you're not familiar with a lot of these Australian wrestlers, and I'm not even familiar with.